0: So what are you doing, Movie Archives?
1: Welcome to a very special installment of Down in Front. Do you know why it's special? Do you know why it's special? I know why it's special. Yes, well, indeed. It's it's because we're recording it on a day that's not the weekend with uh, with a guy that's not Michael Dorkman, Scott. That's that's right. So let's uh, let's real quickly introduce the Please. panel before we introduce the movie. Brian Finnifter, what's your name? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chloe Zimmerman. Chloe, wait. Zimmerman. Oh. Damn.
0: Ah. Uh, all right. Yes. Tripped you up with that one. That's all I got.
1: Okay. And sitting next to the lovely and uh, always vivacious Brian Fenifter is our newcomer for the day, Mr. Ryan Sheely. Yes. Correct. That's me. Our <laughs> special guest. Ryan, from, from where and for why do you come?
2: I am here in Los Angeles because mm. I am visiting from Chicago to see the premiere here in Hollywood of Star Trek, Ooh. the new movie. I don't, the new motion uh, picture. Yeah. The new mm. motion picture. Exactly. So they don't oh. have Star Trek in Chicago. I'm, I'm really. sure they do, no. but let's be serious. Okay. <laughs> I
1: see. And always uh trey the amazing stokes that's correct and uh tonight we're going to be watching the oh god
0: in honor of in honor of the new star trek movie we're going to be doing uh did i just date this thing probably
1: yeah, Whatever. yeah well the whole point well, is right. that the whole we're, point we're, is this, we're
3: releasing this as a, a special it's like, like that
0: trek west
1: wing
3: episode they did after 9-11 right
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah just like that we're all just going to get locked <laughs> in the kitchen and start talking about iraq from, <laughs> yeah. now, from now on we live in a post new star trek movie world now that's aside right. from the point that was already made, which is that the Star Trek movie's coming out tonight. The reason we're recording this, aside from the fact that Ryan's here and he knows more about Star Trek than Ryan knows about Indiana Jones. Brian wow. knows about Indiana Jones. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> your name's Ryan. You could I mean, get married. It'd it's be true. be adorable. Ryan and Brian. Yes. <laughs> Not only that, I have literally never seen any Star Trek ever. I've seen two episodes of Star Trek as of last week. Wow. But this will be my first Star Trek movie experience. There's a lot of that going
3: on for some reason. There was a thing I didn't hate to reference, you know, Twitter. But today (laughs) on Twitter, someone I followed said, okay, my boyfriend has never seen Star Trek. You know, he has like four hours. What should he watch? You know, I didn't... She was (laughs) listening. Did any of them say... Number six, Undiscovered Country? Um, no, it was for whatever reason they were asking about original series episodes. And and the responses were quite uniform. I mean, I, I, what, I fired don't back. don't see any? I fired <laughs> back. Hey, you kids today, you don't know. I, I fired <laughs> back with my instant responses, and then I did the search, and it's like, I, you know, I'm Balance right there, terror. like right in the line, you know, that's, uh, uh, Let me guess. Sit, well, City on the Edge of Forever, city, city on the Edge of, edge of Forever, forever. Of terror. Terror is, is you have to. Uh, Trouble with Tribbles, if you want the light yeah. stuff. Um, Arena. Yeah, oh, Arena. Yeah. Arena. I recommended Arena because uh, you, if you want to know what Trek is, because they always yeah. reference Arena when they talk about original Trek. Arena is quintessentially Star
0: is Trek. It's quintessential. It really you know, Star it's Trek. funny.
2: I'm a huge Star Trek dork, and I've, I had never actually seen Arena. Mm. And Brian showed me today the un the un, Well, I guess it was a little cut down. Anyway, it was one of the. scenes. It was just the fight scene between Kirk and the Gorn, and I was. Amazed at how bad it was. It's, like, so it's bad. Kinda, yeah. It,
3: it, it was incredible. But if you've ever been out to Vasquez Rocks and worn a lizard suit, you wouldn't be able to fight very well. <laughs> no, that's no. Yeah, true. It's These about guys 9, actually went to Vasquez Rocks
1: today. It's we true. did in celebration of their Wow, wedding you wedding. guys are hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay. before we before we start the movie, obviously we've got to talk about what we bring to the table, and I guess we've already hinted at that. But before we get into that, we should set up a pause, unpause point. This is a Paramount picture after all. So after the Paramount logo fades to black, the first frame you perceive to be of all black after the logo. Go ahead and press pause on your DVD or whatever, and in a few minutes, I'll say 3, 2, 1, unpause. And when I say unpause, I'll press play, and you'll press play, and we'll all watch the movie together in perfect sync. Only this time, you'll have friends in your head. So, Brian, what do you bring to the table? I mean, this is a Star Trek movie, after all. Yes, indeed. You've got to familiarize yourself with the the franchise. If
0: there's any movie, if there's any franchise or movie of a franchise that I know, it is Star Trek. And uh, that's in... That's largely a part of the many, many discussions that the man sitting next to me and I have had over the years and the many iterations we've watched uh, through which we've picked out many, many things (laughs) that we'll point out to you as we go.
1: Fantastic. Ryan, what do you bring to the table? I mean, it's probably the same as Brian. It's right? actually very similar to Brian. In
2: fact, I was, when Brian first told me that he was a Star Trek fan when we first met, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, you know Star Trek like I do. <laughs> so I'll be the little judge. Did yeah, exactly. Little, so little, little the did he know So the first thing I asked him, Brian, was like, all right. Brian,
1: by that point, had you seen Arena? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yes. That's my mirror, mirror. So perhaps. I tested him. I said, what's the, what's the uh, Enterprise A registration number? And he's like, Psh, 1701-8. Let's be serious. And I was
3: yeah. like, oh,
1: okay,
2: this guy's, yes. those guys my league or better. That was
1: pretty <laughs> there stupid. There you
3: go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, Jesus. Drink, what about you? Uh, well, uh, once again, uh, as seems to keep happening, I have to admit that I'm much older than everyone else. Uh, certainly no one else uh, in this room, I'm sure, watched Star Trek on NBC in 1967, and I did. So there you go. Um, uh, I'll I, I tell you what I don't get. I don't get the whole, if you like Star Wars, you have to hate Star Trek and vice versa.
1: Um, I never did either. I don't know what it's that's incorrect. about,
3: and I want everyone to quit it, okay? Yeah. It's the easiest joke in the world to make. Just stop. There's room for it all. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations, y'all. All right? Um, you know, I like Star Trek first because Star Wars didn't exist for ten years. We had to wait for Star Wars to come out. Um, original Star Trek uh, is was mind-boggling to a seven-year-old watching television in 1967. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we can go into some of the uh, amazing uh, breakthroughs that it represented in television science fiction and television in general. You know, first interracial kiss. Hey, you know, pretty shocking. Um, they're breaking lots of ground on that show. And so, so I can't help but love star trek even though i look back at shows like arena which were awesome when i was seven and i see the yeah. cheese there i see the zipper up the back of the creature but i still you know you can't help it as you know, whatever age you know things hit you they're going to be we talked about this before there are people yeah. to whom transformers is the awesomest thing ever i think transformers is dumb you know there are people g.i joe is awesome Trans, you know g.i it's joe to me is stupid you know it's just, just whatever you the goonies you is right awesome you know, well, you know hey i'm you know lost in space star trek that's me, you know. I was seven years old. What do you want from me? So, and I've never really gotten into any of the other televised incarnations. None of the other series ever since have really grabbed me. But I, it, I kept it, up with the movies, and some of the movies are pretty darn good.
1: So. Sort of odd that you wouldn't care about the Star Trek TV series. You, next Generation didn't grab you. Well, I have appeared on the Star Trek. I was going <laughs> to say
3: series <laughs> <say, laughs> Star Trek. Fine, I was on one once, but uh, that's a whole different uh, kettle of fish. Yes, I was, I was actually very excited. I got to. I was on the Star Trek Enterprise, and uh, as a background extra when they're forming Starfleet, so I felt very connected. To the original, and I got to play a Tellarite, which is a k- creature that dates all the way back to the original series. It's one of the first aliens they ever had on Star Trek. Was a Tellarite,
1: so you no, know, I was okay with that. I felt good about that. Yeah, anyway. it's pretty awesome. And yeah. and of the four here, I've probably seen Star Trek the most. What? <laughs> okay, the opposite of that. Whatever, yeah. whatever the. What's the what's other, the what's other the, word? What's the other thing? <laughs> not. Uh, that's the. Yeah, way you know, you okay always for. hear about someone's girlfriend who's never seen Star Trek. You're my girlfriend. You're, who's never seen? just I'm, you. I'm your. I'm your girlfriend. That's never <laughs> seen Star Trek, and I. I hosted a podcast called Geeksa for a year, <laughs> and still somehow it's, to. it's an amazing feat to find someone who's, in any in any situation, versed in geek culture, let alone hosted mm-hmm. a podcast about geek culture, who has not seen a frame of Star Trek. But until like last week, I had literally never seen any. At all. And this will be my first Star Trek movie experience uh, to be followed up by the what will probably be far superior film tonight. So, So, shall we start the show? So, yeah. (laughs) Fire it up. All right, you've got your DVD pause where the Paramount logo fades to black. So do we. And we're going to press play right now. Three, two, one, unpause. All right. Who is Gene Roddenberry? Gene uh, Roddenberry Knight.
3: You'll be interested to know, Gene Roddenberry was the original creator of Star Trek, um, who's now hailed as a visionary. But Gene Roddenberry was just like any other television producer, trying to make a buck. And this was the, this was the, the original show, was the show concept that he managed to get the network to buy. I mean, mm-hmm. he pitched him 97 things, and they said, oh, OK, we'll try the science fiction one. Um, Gene Roddenberry, uh, should be noted, uh, especially in this crowd, um, uh, was a, uh, you know, didn't talk about it much in public but he was a big fat atheist and, <laughs> Yay, uh, yep. and you see a whole you know, you see, if you look at original Trek certainly original Trek there's about half the plot lines of original Trek are about destroying a false god yep. Yeah. so uh, you know Roddenberry was uh, given his, his, his agenda in the 60s and, and good for him and uh, the, you had that tribute in the beginning because this was of course the first
0: movie to be made after his, after death. his death well he so. actually
2: saw this movie it was released, yeah, after his released after his
3: death, after yeah. his death Right. and and was
2: it the last so one like with is this his the last one with the original the series cast? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Except for uh, Shatner. Uh, they did, well, cameo- cameos. But the, right. the,
3: this yeah. is the last one
2: with the crew from the original television series. And Mark Leonard. Mark Leonard, who has always played Spock's father from day one. You know what's beautiful about this sort of setup and watching these movies is that the uh, the credit Tim intros Cattol. are always so long in Star Trek. Yeah. I'm interested just to see if that carries over. But anyway, so there's a lot to talk about in this time because otherwise you're <laughs> yeah. just going to be reading. We're still watching the credits for yeah, Plumber's
1: Christopher, Christopher, Christopher loves to chew. The, well, and David the Warner. CD.
3: I like David Warner a lot. You Damn. know
1: how you know how people say when you have a complaint Kurt, about, about something, you have to earn it. Like you can't make fun of a series that everyone loves, but you don't. You have to love the series to make fun of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm clearly not the guy that can. But among people <laughs> that know Star Trek and have, have paid their dues and seen all of the old episodes, is there still conversations about how retarded it is that we're passing the stars like it's parallax? Like we're, we'd have to be going. Several times faster than the speed of light with yeah. an, an, an insanely exposed lens yeah I mean under no set of circumstances would you ever see stars doing this do you guys talk about that We, we, talk, we have yes yeah. okay good. yeah
0: <laughs> I, I've read uh, theories online that it's not actually stars
3: it's some kind of radiation based red gun awesome. red gun yeah that's all bullshit. it's all it's just how they it's how they did the star field in the original series it looked like that that was the yeah. style that's what they did. Cool. just so, how it
1: goes. Yeah. You know, um, before we get too far into this, I'd like to point out to anyone that doesn't know, if you go to GeeksUp.com, you can find videos of George Takei hitting on me and asking about my pubic hair. Yeah. yeah. Really? It's true. Yeah. You, oh, never, you never saw that I clip? Have saw yes. that. Oh, I have not seen it. Oh, my God. On our, on our previous, on our previous uh, podcast, we interviewed George Takei and he he kept at like we were trying to have a conversation with him about what he was doing and he kept coming back to when I turned 50 (laughs) I looked down and I said oh my I'm turning turning red I'm turning gray down there you you must be red you You share too much George yeah yeah, exactly it was like turn around I was like okay George
2: I had him sing happy birthday to me a day prior to my birthday with no witnesses. Really? No witnesses? witnesses. Well, no. My girlfriend, nobody here. Nobody I cared about right there. Right
3: at that that same time. And I would see you guys sometimes in Florida because I was doing the Simpsons ride for Universal Studios. And we're working on a concept for the Simpsons ride where it was all about how Mr. Burns escapes from a meltdown in the nuclear reactor with this sentient escape vehicle that he's had locked away for 50 years in case of emergency. So the, the plant melts down and the idea of the ride. They, they, this is the original concept. It's not that it didn't turn out this way. Um, the thing is like Hal. It talks to you like Hal while it takes you across Springfield and all that kind of stuff. And we're talking about who gets voice who would do the voice. And George Takei was our number one Thing Choice. because it, it, it likes it like locks on phasers and all that kind of stuff. And I, w- I wrote the first draft of that script, but ultimately didn't go anywhere. But uh, I wrote a line for the voice of the vehicle that's been in storage for 50 years and finally launches. And it was going to be George Takei. And I wrote him a line where he goes, Feels so good to get out of that
1: closet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Never got nice. to
3: happen, but uh, oh, that's unfortunate. Would have been nice. Okay, look, so
1: we're actually look, uh, we're four minutes in, and now the credits have ended. And there he is, speaking of the devil. And there the man is. Okay, now obviously my first experience watching a Star Trek film and I'm watching it with the sound off. Yeah. So I'm just going to have to follow along with the visual storytelling of the opus, Undiscovered Country. Well, it's, but so it's far good stuff.
0: I, I love this wave effect. I know i end up just saying, Shoes! Shoes up! Shoes! I also love this You track, know, right? I've seen, you know, as, as, only as one anyone, else, yeah. anyone
1: else can
3: experience... <laughs> just like when a Death Star explodes.
0: Exactly. exactly. anyone
1: else can experience through the lens of pop culture, I've seen shots of Star Trek throughout my life, like sure, on yeah. the news or something, yeah. like anything or fan else. films. And for some reason there's... Always some cloud that the ship is flying through in
2: space. There's a great moment here coming up where, where like an ensign or somebody... Uh, well, Sulu asks for some sort of report, and everybody, as you see, is struggling to, to gain their balance and all this, and he just comes. This there guy goes. <laughs> He's like, I'm cool. I'm He's good. like, checking all systems, Captain. Everything's fine. He's from that earthquake planet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> checking all systems. Now, this is the. Okay, let me test my cool. theory. That was
1: really cool. This is the yeah.
3: Excelsior, right? That's, uh, Excelsior. The Excelsior, yeah. So, which is, which is over the course of like multiple movies and series, Sulu finally, finally got his own command, and there was yeah. the Excelsior, right? So. So Which is a is, it, is it Excelsior? Is that a Galaxy class? No, that's Excelsior, Excelsior class. class. That's Excelsior
1: class. It was its own class. All yeah, right, fine. and obviously this is I lose that one. All right, what, what what is the history of Star Trek? These are people. These are humans, right? Correct. Except, Except for the ones that clearly up. aren't. Yes. Okay, right. cool. So these are humans' fu- like future supposed existing to be history. This yeah. is in the future. This is, this in, is in the future. future. This is future um, history. Or this, is, this is quotey, 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 hard sci-fi, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so,
3: sometimes a bit too hard um, is one of the failings of the show and the movies. Yeah. What do you mean? Is they get all caught up in the in the technological stuff to the detriment of like telling something that's kind of fun to watch. I mean, that, that was a failing of certainly next generation you know, I, I gave up on Next Generation very early on because it was just like the, it would just be a half hour of jargon that they just read out of some physics book and tried to make into dialogue of some kind, and it just wasn't very interesting to watch. I missed the original Star Trek, which you know Kirk would just go fuck this and punch somebody in the head and then rape somebody's woman. You know that was that was original. <laughs> That's the Star way to Trek. handle conflict. Exactly. Right <laughs> well, of course, you know shows are always a a a function of their time, and you know Star Trek original Star Trek is mid '60s. It's it's. You know, American gunboat diplomacy is what's going on in the original Star Trek. It's like, okay, we promise not to mess with your civilization unless we don't like your civilization, in which case we'll park our battleship right outside your harbor, we'll shell you, and we'll take your women. All right. Unless for
0: whatever reason we think we're better than you, which, right. I'm which be we honest, always are. Yeah. A lot. Because yeah.
3: we're the freaking Starfleet. You yeah. Know? We're America deal with it um and then you know jump forward in next generation suddenly it's like well i sense that they feel anger i mean they (laughs) actually had someone whose job was to be sensitive it was a she had her own seat on the bridge it was ridiculous this is one of my favorite
0: jokes of all time where scotty says oh "Oh, i just i just bought a boat this better be good (laughs) and they very clearly don't use money in star trek anymore so we we love to make the joke we made it many times where one of the other where mccoy or somebody will turn to scotty and go scotty We don't use money anymore. And Scotty will go, ah, fuck the boat dealer. She screwed me. And then runs out of the
1: room. I want my money back. You know, there's a really, really, I used to think, I I realize now that I was wrong. There's a fine line between. Current bloated Priceline Shatner and old solid oh, yeah. looking Shatner, but this is complete proof otherwise. Oh, yeah. He's Stradley, he's like, this is like the, the missing link Shatner. <laughs> no, it true. is. Where he's bloated
2: and weird looking, but he still has the hair. No, if, you, if you've if you only seen original series Shatner and Priceline
1: Shatner, you don't know where the hell the man is. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, how did he get to this point? Yeah, he does not look at all alike no, at, all. I couldn't, no, I, at all. I saw Shatner twice before realizing it was the same guy.
3: Yeah, no, this is transitional Shatner who you're looking at right here.
1: now. The, wait, wait, when did this movie come
3: out? What about
0: 1991? Right, right, right around the fall of the Soviet Union, which this whole thing is an allegory for. So that plays into it? It's sort of. Um... They have a quote here about Nixon going to China. The
3: other, the other thing, as I recall, this movie was trying to do is bridge the gap between original Star Trek and Next Generation, which was already underway at this point.
0: Which was, which I think they do really well because, yeah, in the Next Generation, they had already established that they were at peace with the Klingons, the Klingons yeah. and in the original series, they were at war. So this is the idea of, okay, but the how thing does the that I don't know—I forget
3: about? if they go into detail on it—but of course, original Klingons in the original series were just yeah. you know guys with bushy eyebrows; yeah. they yeah. did not look like Next Generation Klingons, which is a full head makeup. So this moon explosion praxis thing was kind of their attempt to explain that all the Klingons got mutated as a result of this thing. Well, that's why they, no, really.
2: because, because that, this, there was, in the other movies for Star Trek, the Klingons already had the, in, in Star Trek, the motion picture, they had the, 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 the rigid time. forehead and everything like that. Yeah. That's true. That's the first time you see the ridges. But in DS Nine, they do a nice job of trying. Of uh, somebody asks Worf, well, it's what, yeah, it's why when they go back to the original series,
3: uh, the Trouble with
2: Oh, Trouble and they say what happened? We, "We don't yeah, talk about yeah, it." We don't ask. talk about yeah. it. Well, Where's Michael
3: you? Dorn's in this. It's in doing Correct. something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, playing Worf's grandfather. Yeah.
0: Now, the whole point of this is that people in Federation, even though they're supposed to be evolved and nobody's supposed to be a racist anymore, people are. Some people are still essentially racist about Klingons and don't want to. Dismantle their the star bases and all the, the defenses against them, and so the point of having Brock Peters here, obviously an African American, say this is to make that point about racism. And he understood say. the point, but he he said he's passed on a, already. But he said you know that was really
2: really yeah, hard. Yeah, they, they had to do this many many times because he, as a person, as an African American, couldn't couldn't handle the the performance because it was just too personal to, for him. Yeah, to espouse that. Awful. To say the, mm-hmm. only, yeah. the only good Klingon is a dead Klingon, yeah. basically. basically. Well, there you go. Now, on another note, Brian and I were talking earlier today about how uh, there are two characters in Star Trek original series and in Next Generation who are supposed to be more timeless that age much more slowly. That's Leonard Nimoy as Spock and then Brent Spiner as Data, and both of those guys seem to be the ones <laughs> that ages <laughs> really
0: age the worst in the cast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You can see Leonard Nimoy's jowls hanging lower and lower every year. So this movie came out in, okay, the first motion picture came out in the mid early mid-'80s? It was right after Star Wars, actually. Oh, so, like nineteen. It was, yeah, basically,
3: basically, yeah, Star Wars, the popularity of Star Wars was what got the first exactly. Star Trek movie greenlit.
1: Yeah. Okay, all right, now here's my question. What was the response to, obviously this has been a TV show in some, in some form for a, num, like a number of years, right? Three years, it was never a hit. It, was, it became a hit in syndication.
3: Okay, and then it's they decided Firefly. to make it. It's basically Firefly. It, is, all right. Oh, well, that's cool. But then exactly Firefly. As a matter
1: of fact, What, was the, re, what was, was the response to the <laughs>
3: movies? Did, were they f- there, was, there were the people who were like, it's Star Trek, therefore it's good. It was, there was the Phantom Menace crowd. And then there was people like me who go, said, wow, that really kind of <laughs> sucked. Um, because it, it, it forgot just like much as Phantom Menace did. The parallels are quite uh, striking. It, it was all about, we must have lots and lots of visual effects. And that's all it was. And everyone just yeah. sort of stood around and, and looked in and awe watched the, at the visual effects. And, well,
2: Brian, you like Well, Brian, you like to say that they were trying to be too much like 2001.
3: It, you know, well, it was film. Robert Weiss who directed
0: um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, another classic science fiction And the film. Sound of Music. And the Sound of Music. But, <laughs> well, you know, got
3: to have range. <laughs> he did. But Robert it, Weiss, is, I mean, when you look at that guy's filmography. Yeah, Robert Weiss is one of the giants yeah. of film. The of original Bell, Star Trek, no, Sound of Music, The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Haunting. I mean, that guy has a resume you can't figure out. This
0: part this part right here, the, Shatner was like, I don't think yeah. Kirk would, would say this. And he argued and argued to and argued. To argue. let them, die line. To they, let them the die line.
3: Klingon bastards killed his son two movies ago. You know, I mean, <laughs> Well, he, was, he
0: argued and argued and argued with Nicholas Meyer, the director, with it, and finally got Nicholas Meyer to compromise and say, okay, I'll, I'll say it, but it's got to be this thing where I say it, and then immediately I go, no, 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 I'm, I didn't mean that. And he agreed. And, and Nicholas, and, and Nicholas Meyer. Meyer agreed, and then promptly edited out <laughs> of the film. Probably cut no, no, the part where he said it, and I didn't
2: mean it. it. Yeah, director's trick. That's great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now the, this, I think this movie has by far the best model work in all of the. Star, I was going to say that I'm movies. impressed by that. I, I've yeah. only ever heard bad things about the Star no. Trek effect. There, there's some really good stuff. In uh, a, it's funny
1: because
0: effect. it's like an, there an,
1: was some. Bangs. Whoa. Yeah. Her bangs
0: start
3: at the back of her head. Now, this is
0: Lieutenant Valeris, who's a Vulcan I'm, as God, they about. God, I never thought ladies
3: needed sideburns, but she really needs <laughs> sideburns. Yeah. yeah, she really needs some sideburns. That is a weird ass haircut she's got. And then, of course, is Sex of the City's Kim Control. Like, who I is? believe was. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I believe she was.
0: 85 at the time they filmed it? Yeah. <laughs> she was
3: just turned 85. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Uh, but <laughs>
0: her come, character was originally supposed to be
2: Savick from Star Trek 2 II and 3. By Kirstie Alley. But Kirstie Alley. Alley they up to Kirsten. the size of the Enterprise. So. Yeah. yeah. She, she had become Galaxy Class.
0: <laughs> for reasons that will become clear later, and I guess we'll come back to it, Gene Roddenberry didn't want this character to be Savik. And so, as Gene Roddenberry, he got his way. But they had to change the character.
2: And then he promptly dropped it. But. So do the actors like Star Trek? They well, Shatner loves being James T. Kirk. Yeah. He absolutely loves it. The, the other character the other actors I've heard kind of tolerated their characters more, more or less over the years. But Leonard Nimoy, he wrote the book called I Am Not Spock. Um, basically saying how much he didn't appreciate everybody recognizing him only for being the character of Spock, and then later rescinded by following up the sequel <laughs> entitled I, I, I Am Spock. Sp- Sp- like 20 years later, when yeah. he finally came to terms with it. Exactly. So. But uh, yeah, Shatner loves it. The rest of them, I think, are just kind of okay with it. Except except the James Doohan. James Doohan loved Doohan. Kind of yeah, got into it.
3: But 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 Shatner, into a lesser extent, Nimoy. Nimoy went on to direct more more than anything else. But uh, mm-hmm. and Shatner did too. But he really. But, he, but well, you know, Shatner she, had like she's
0: piloting right now. Shouldn't she be sitting down and looking you, you, at you the, the console? Maybe. This is just
3: like uh, that Starship Troopers scene we saw. Um, you know, Shatner went on to have like three more television series after Star Trek. So he had he had the least You're reason evil. to be there's well.
2: James oh, T. J. Hooker, oh, Rescue 911, Boston Legal. Boston I not about Rescue 911. Yeah, good call. And, uh, and two
3: albums. And,
0: yeah,
2: and a fine career breeding
3: album. show
0: right? Okay, I have to tell the internet this right now. If you have never heard William Shatner's Has Been album, go out and listen to it right now. <laughs> it's, I'm serious. It is legitimately good. It's really, really Well, good. it's not really Mr. Tambourine so. Man. No, no, no. It's not that album. It it's has been. That. It's a different
3: album. But uh, you, you, can't, you can't talk about his recording career without talking We're about Rocket about. Man and Mr. Tambourine Man. But So uh,
1: in that episode where you killed your wife... Why do you look so fat? Ooh. <laughs> oh.
3: yeah. So Yeah. Uh, so Shatner kind of, you know, he was able to kind of be out front there and go, that's right on the cabin the Enterprise. You know, of course, everybody else except for Nimoy essentially never really had any other job except going to conventions the yeah. rest of their lives. I mean, you it's know. It's funny,
2: actually. Um, uh, Nichelle Nichols actually did a lot of advocating and recruiting for NASA after she got out of... Uh, yeah, they, they, they did, they did yeah. public service all stuff, yeah. but they
3: really never acted again. Yeah. Correct, so, yeah. And except, as, except when they would do a movie and they would all show up.
0: As you'll be able to tell pretty easily, a lot of these sets are just redresses of Next Generation because they were filming Next Generation at the time. So the, the actual hallways look exactly the same, and you'll see replicators that aren't supposed to be replicators and but like, all sorts the, into, of things.
2: I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, these shots, like right here, uh, of the Spacefaring Enterprise are so beautiful and so wonderful. And they were like that all through motion picture all the way up through Star Trek 4. And then for some reason, Star Trek 5. Which was Just, terrible. Like, in all aspects. <laughs> all of the all of the special effects, the model work, and that looks utterly, utterly atrocious. Yeah. I don't understand why there was this discontinuity between them, but...
3: Really, that very few people, in my experience, very few people have been able to convincingly play Vulcans other than Nimoy. I mean... Yeah. I never I thought Kirstie Alley's attempt at Vulcanism well, was very poor. All right, here's here the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna Kim Control's Kirstiel. not that
0: bad, but she's not she, she's okay. The thing is, if you read the script of Star Trek II, uh Savik is described as half Vulcan, half Romulan. So it's not canon. Anyway, <laughs> there there is an argument to be made that she was either given that direction or was somehow got direction to or just not, not play very it, just, good. Also, a possibility, but I'm saying there is a cause to believe that she had I am she, an advocate Curtis. intentional uh, acting choices. Robin Curtis well, played a better it, What I'm
3: more getting at is, is at most other than, other than Nimoy, people who say, oh, I'm playing a Vulcan, they play it emotionless when really right. a Vulcan yeah. is about suppressed emotion. Exactly. You know, but they play like I'm a robot. Oh, I'm a Vulcan. That means I'm, I'm like a robot. And I, you know, <laughs> it's about as convincing as you know that ch- that kid from Small Wonder. You know. Oh God. Yeah. So uh, you know, Nimoy somehow he made it work, but he, you know, because he was all about what what Spock wasn't showing was was what his performance was.
2: In, in the first episodes of the original series, you know, Spock was a smiling fool. That man was like yeah, happy they, all before the time.
3: They, before they solidified <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. there's a couple <laughs> of times when
2: he's like smiling and into stuff, and then it became
3: like a big thing later yeah. when he smiled. Of course. Uh, uh, a mock time another classic episode we we're talking about classic episodes earlier A mock time is one of the few times he smiles and then immediately has to cover it up like i did not just smile it did mm-hmm. not happen well they actually address it which is the best star trek movie it's
0: debatable, but it comes down to either this one or Star Trek: Two, The Wrath of Khan.
3: It really is. It's it's, it's amazing. You know, the, most people probably, you probably say Wrath heard of Khan. the joke. Yeah, uh, that every other Star Trek movie is good. It really is true. It's you know starting with well, one. it was it, it was well once they started the next generation stuff that went out the window. But as far
2: as these uh, original series ones, you see, I I still maintain that the only bad original series movie is Star Trek Five. I think Star Trek Three is terribly underrated. Star Trek One is boring, but it's not bad. But Star Trek 3 is. Five is definitely the worst. I won't won't argue with that. I read
0: when when Nemesis came out, when Star Trek 10 (laughs) came out in whatever it was, 2003, I read an article somewhere, and I don't remember who it was, but they said okay, now we know the full extent of the Star Trek curse. The odd ones are bad. The even ones are good, and every fifth one is, is absolutely really, is awful.
1: really
2: bad. Yeah, Nemesis wasn't very so, good.
1: But with any luck, we will be breaking that curse entirely with <laughs> Simon Pegg was on, I think it was Love Line. He was on, he was on a, a radio show on K Rock. I think it was Love Line. I met in the morning show. And they said, So, you know, you've always talked about how, and all these things that you've always done, and all these convention appearances, how much you loved Star Trek, and then you've got this movie. But, I mean, you've talked an awful lot about the every other movie theory, and I believe Ooh. your movie is number 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A- From what I understand, he just kind of gave them a stern look and said, Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Shut up. To go yeah, back- well, your mom is at every other movie. Yeah. yeah.
2: To go back to the other question, I also think that uh, Star Trek 8 First Contact is. is First Contact a of, of the Next Generation movie. ones, which I haven't even seen all of those. I, th- I think it's comfortable. First Contact is or, fun. Or First or Contact is a good one.
1: All right, so I don't know if this is an interesting angle or not, but I'm trying to learn. Obviously, it'll be, right, be, it'll, it. it'll be re spoon fed to me tonight when I watch the, the reboot, but. The notion here is that these guys are in the Navy in space, yes. the space basically the space military. Well, well but it's, it's it's but it's Navy based. I mean, it's, it's, it's Starfleet Star is, you know, is it's the ensigns
3: and, and lieutenants and all the on you know, Starfleet. Is the Enterprise special? No, it's just one of many of the
2: ships. It's one of the, it, one of the yeah. big ships. It's, it's like, a Constitution class starship, which of that, there are many, many yeah. Constitution class so ships.
3: this is a Star Destroyer for good guys. Vehicle. In the original series, yeah. the Constellation was the biggest ship, but they've gone on to have Galaxy class ships and Excelsior class ships that they've just sort of added to the series as they went. Mm. But, the, but they, there was the. Con- and and they, were, they were losing, in the original series, they were losing Constellation ships every Constitu- episode. Constitution. You know. but, the Constitution, thank right. you. Um, but they. You know, they would, so that, that line right there, where Chekhov says, guess who's coming to dinner, which
0: is a reference to the to the movie, uh, which again is about racism. That line was originally supposed to be for Uhura, but Nichelle Nicole's flat-out refused
3: to say it. <laughs> I'm it not it
0: saying that. It sounds like whoever wrote this is kind of fucked up. It, well, it's a movie about tolerance and racism, I and mean, that's Really, what it boils down to.
2: So this, is, but, this will be the first time we get to see Christopher Plummer right there, and there you uh, go. it's interesting because is that bolted onto his face? Yes, yes, yes it awesome. Is. <laughs> but the uh, and Shatner his, and Christopher got his Plummer. Kiss boots on. <laughs> Shatner and Christopher Plummer actually. What was it, Macbeth, or uh, maybe it was it was some Shakespeare well, play Shakespeare that Plummer was the lead and Shatner was the. Uh, 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 what, understudy? What, the understudy, thank uh, you. He was the understudy for it, and, and Plummer came down with something and couldn't perform it, and Shatner ended up taking over for him. And so this was many, many years ago when they were still in, like in college age or just out of college, and this was the first time that they got to work together since that moment. And Plummer, I guess, was a little always a little bit upset that Shatner got to steal his thunder <laughs> that day, that he, he stole the lead role in the Shakespearean play for
0: him. If you if you look at the set and then you go to Next Generation and watch an episode, uh, a scene in a transporter room, you can very clearly tell it's the exact same set, just <laughs> yeah. But I mean,
1: aside from the set being the same, this is not I mean, I'm really surprised by how cinematic this is. This is not every experience I've had just glancing at Star Trek throughout the years has been this really milky, plain-looking thing, plainly shot kind of. Yeah. Is that just the shows? Yeah. Well, is that I mean, just because they're? It's television versus feature films in general. Well, you and know, up until 80s, recently, now now TV is all contrasty and dark and everything. Well, well this,
0: recently, television is now on a cinematic level equal to some features, but. I mean, when you're talking in the '80s and '90s, where it was a lot more stagey
1: and, you know, uh, meat grinder. I mean, this is a pretty movie. It, it is. is. It's, it's very, very well shot. It really is. I mean, it needs Bradley Whitford.
3: <laughs> it definitely. I is Bradley would love Whitford. to see
0: Bradley Whit- Whitford walking around the Federation somewhere.
3: Okay. Okay. They all look like oh, yeah, this is vicious, yeah. oh, I get it, I get it.
2: Uh, I never understood that line. You know, even top of the line models can even. And for the longest Bri- time, I thought Kim Control was like
1: seven feet tall, <laughs> and then <laughs> in a second, you'll realize these guys step up under her
2: level.
1: <laughs> yeah. Brian, is this movie where you got the the whole the comedic device of like the awkward so the guy? How about, how about those car? Like, what about gas prices thing? Like, the, just the awkward filler conversation between two scenes? No, Brian's Uh-oh. just good at being awkward. He- <laughs> He's got much experience with that. <laughs> no, did, did, have <laughs> I found the it, genesis of yeah. your whole thing? Genesis. Probably. All you have to do is look at Star Trek, and you'll see most of my
0: identity. That's. that's, that's
1: what I, I watched. I finally saw Mystery Science Theater three thousand the movie after seeing the episode years I love years this. And years.
0: Watch the watch the Klingons here, and they have no idea what to do with the. Yeah. It's just a very yeah. good little bit. We're like,
1: what? Why is this? Why is this paper resting on this this fabric floor? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, but all I was going to say is that once I saw that movie, I realized that Chris Handel doesn't have any original jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Romulan Ale, obviously, which we'll get to in a second. As we drink our Windex. This looks like blue wine. Yes, it essentially is. But so th- this in Star scene... Trek they get wine, but in Star Wars they get milk? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is it all blue? Why is it all blue? Nicholas Meyer it makes it
0: has, has a thing, and he said as much, he has a thing for blue food. He just thinks it's cool yeah. or something. So if you
2: look, if you look at their plate... Their are their food blue is blue. Blue spaghetti going They're on there. Blue.
3: Got the blue
1: noodles going on. The blue noodles is kind of weird looking. Yeah.
2: Now this scene in, in, and this isn't just for Star Trek. This is for all of movies. This is one of my favorite uh, scenes. I think this is extraordinarily well written, and it's just there's great drama here. There's great interaction with the characters, and there's there's great buildup and great yeah. letdown at the same time. Great tension and exactly just undertone subtext. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because you'll see the. Uh, I've always maintained that the Star Trek actors have taken a lot. Many, most of them always take time to kind of develop their characters. But DeForest Kelly had nailed Dr. McCoy from minute one. Which one's Uh, that? Dr. McCoy is, uh, it'll come to him. He's the one with the green, uh, he's the doctor. He's the one with the green neckband. You'll see him here in a minute. But he, from, this is the last movie he was in, and from the first episode of Star Trek, the original series, to this ep- to this movie, he had maintained the exact same character, and he, and he was great in it. He was absolutely wonderful. Yeah,
3: McCoy, well, the, the, you know.
2: There he is right there. That's McCoy. People have
3: always analyzed, you know, the, the, the triumvirate of, <laughs> of original Trek is, you know, Kirk Spock, you know, is, is ego and superego, you know, that, uh, you know, Kirk is the, is the, uh, you know, the id, and uh, Spock is the, is the superego, and McCoy is kind of the one in between that keeps... Keeps them balanced. so And and that that dynamic, you know, always... Look at at Shatner's stew. (laughs) Yeah, right. right,
0: right. I I love... It doesn't happen very often, but every now and then... Because Starfleet and Star Trek is all about, you know, peaceful exploration and sensibilities, and, you know, how we just want to go out there and be friends with everybody. And every now and then, characters in Star Trek will call call them on their bullshit. And this (laughs) is probably one of the best examples of that in Star Trek. Mm -hmm. There you go. Inalienable human rights. Inalienable, you...
3: You do not be totally god when the movie's just there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's just awkward. Yeah, right. Right. So they're making, right a, to the they're making card. a big nice deal one. over the use of alienable in our semantics. Inalienable, like the word alien, they—they they see Boy, the that very as the name is racist. Is, is okay, that's seem, these guys are just all feminists. Is the point then? <laughs> Especially her. It yeah. should be called an <laughs> ovester because you know semester is clearly. That's male- right. Yeah. 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 It should be a we'll cover.
2: <laughs> I have to go out to the person box to see if the person person brought me any person today. David Warner is a wonderful actor. He's great. Yeah. And the fact that the, that he was cast in two consecutive Star Wars, uh, Star Trek movies, excuse me, in a, a fairly substantial role. Yep. I think and it's he, just... he's just—he's—he is one of the actors that gets used quite a bit in Star Trek. You'll see him pop up
1: oh,
0: quite yeah. a few times.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, of course, uh, you know he and Nicholas Meyer go—you know—predate Nicholas. Oh, I didn't Meyer, know that. Uh, well the Time After Time, which was uh, which is, is Time After Time? Um I think that was the name of the movie. With uh, Malcolm McDowell as H. G. Wells, traveling oh, traveling uh. to modern day San Francisco to chase Jack the Ripper. Um, okay. Which, is, which was Nicholas Meyer's it might have been the first movie you get to direct. And Nicholas Meyer got into into the show into show business because he wrote a novel called The Seven Percent Solution, which was a New Sherlock Holmes story that he wrote. It was a, became a huge bestseller. It's a great book, and then became a huge successful movie. I don't think he directed it though, but uh, that's how He, he had, did. He, I might, could be he wrong. might have. Yeah. But then, uh, then he did Time After Time, which is. Uh, I believe that's what it's called, and that's, that's actually a very good movie. It still holds up. The idea is that H. G. Wells actually built a time machine and was <laughs> showing it off to his oh. showing it off to his friends. One of whom was secretly Jack the Ripper, <laughs> who who stole it and came to modern day San cool. Francisco and began to slaughter people. H. G. Wells chases him into the present. <laughs> so that's it's all
1: a, a, what a hell of a premise. It's
3: all about H. G. Wells encountering the real future and and you know how much it's, it is and isn't like what he foresaw. Wow, um, what a great but, but this but, was a uh, book. Uh, well, no, it's a movie. But uh, but David Warner was Jack the Ripper in that, oh, in that movie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he was. And he has, he has such great lines. It's like, it's, we were talking the other day about Last Action Hero. He kind of does that same riff that they did later in Last Action Hero, where he, he says, you know... he. H.G. Wells finally catches up to him and says, you know, I've got to take you back to Victorian England. And and River's like, why? I'm home. You go home. You belong there. I belong here. Look at this society. He goes, back home, I was a freak. Here, I'm an amateur. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, he gets this he gets the great villain speech about this this world is made for me. They don't even know I'm here, for heaven's sake. I blend in here. I love this. We've got this, and Spock just knock it off. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> so I always thought it was kind of interesting. Like Nicholas Meyer then became the Star Trek guy. I yeah. you know, was like, oh, that's interesting.
2: Well, it wasn't like, I, I believe Star Trek Two was the first mo- uh, full full length feature he actually directed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh,
0: Only the size of <laughs> <The Mike laughs> We we quote
1: this movie all eight. over the place.
0: We actually have a. If you if you watch that clock every time they cut yeah, to the that screen, that was kind
1: of that was kind of not working for me. Yeah. I didn't like that. I love that shot. Well, you, you watch the, that the effects themselves the work fine, but then when you look at what they're representing and the physics of what you just saw. Oh well, you can't yeah. you can't yeah. use physics in Star Trek in the same sentence.
2: <laughs> no matter what, the panels will always explode. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They could but, get hit in the in the after the nacelle and all the, of the navigation. The future will be very advanced, except we don't
3: have fuses <laughs> in the future. <laughs>
0: And if you see that, if you see that shot right there, and there's a couple other shots. Oh no, this, this is movie.
3: the weightless, the weightless stuff. Yeah, this very, whole sequence is really, really very good. early CG, comparatively speaking.
2: But that shot of the quarter exploding and the Klingon running—you'll see that used again in Star Trek. Yeah, because it was buttons. a good yeah. one. Yeah. There's a couple shots. In fact, the. the um well, we'll get to that later because it happens later on in the movie. But you'll see here in a little bit the, uh, the the pink Klingon blood, which is the first and only time you see Klingons bleed pink. Yeah. But that was because they had to they toned toned down the graphic uh, n- nature of the whole thing because they wanted a PG thirteen. I think it was PG thirteen or yeah. PG rating. It was t- it, no, it was PG thirteen to avoid the R rating. The R rating, yeah. right? Cause, and, and of all the colors, like why would why would this warrior race have have pretty pink blood? You but know? see, I, I like that idea though. You
3: do? Yeah, it's if he gave them... It like Pepto-Bismol to me. It does yeah.
0: look
2: like Pepto-Bismol.
0: But yeah, very early use of CGI. And this is actually a good example of physics and science fiction. And I remember reading like, actual NASA physicists and science... If you watch here, if you see on the left, you can see the camera, the camera shadow. Camera, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, um, I noticed that without you pointing it out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys live watching that shot? It, it bothers me, I'll be honest. Oh, cool. It bothers me. Go on, physics, NASA. If,
0: if you watch the... The blood as it floats in zero g it's actually globular
1: and it behaves the way it would if it were really that's a very g. fortunate side effect of using metaballs <laughs> yeah very much as opposed to particles cool great the glob that's kind of how they, so that's I how just, they default in other words in cg this movie needs somebody losing an arm
2: <laughs>
3: <I think. laughs>
2: it really does oh good go. yeah there there go. Go. Oh, good. which why why it works that way who no. knows but i don't know why it wouldn't the wound wouldn't cauterize immediately i mean you are shooting it with a laser
1: I guess you have some sort of a like the lack of precedent of what people think CG can look like. In the first case, if you're doing a fluid that's never been seen in anti gravity, you can get away with the CG thing, <laughs> no, and people will just true. be like, "Man, that's a cool look you guys came up with for this." That's a cool thing. I've I was the this before. shot was a little iffy. But. Oh, look at the blur! That was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It's All a right, nice cool. effect, but it's sort of it's the same thing, though. And trouble. it's sort of this. Well, I'm sure we'll get into this when we do the abyss. But it's one of those things where it's like. You, you, the, the one thing CG can do really well right Robert now there. is what we're using in this movie where it's, it's like we're going to have a shiny water guy yeah. we can do shiny water we can't <laughs> do dinosaurs yet give yeah. us a few years when, when, when <laughs> we invented reflections on you know she, when, he was I mean, all he over to, <laughs> It was, it was <laughs> like hey, alright Terminator we can water boost, guy yeah.
3: blood let's do this what, you know, exactly you see when you know, the, the reflective globular surfaces were invented man every movie was using them right afterwards uh, a, clue. Uh, a, clue. Uh, a clue a clue a clue They should stop wearing ski boots in the future. (laughs) So this is actually kind of a radical thing, and and rather a radical departure from... From from Next Generation. Why would the, the
2: auxiliary gravity button be on the top <laughs> of the ceiling? What a bad idea! Splash. Yeah. That's so cool. Anyway, I'm sorry. You were saying that that you know one of the tenets of Next
3: Generation, and one of the reasons I could never get into Next Generation was that you know because that touchy feely bullshit was was because <laughs> because it was it was a mandate. It was in. I mean, I still have at home. I still have the Next Generation Writer's Bible. I mean, because Next Generation was one of the only shows that you could so you could that would. Takes unsolicited, unrepresented show pitches. If you were a regular mm-hmm. person, yeah. you could go in. That's the great thing about and, all the Star Trek shows that they yeah, have all all of them, and pitch. You know, and and of course, most of the time it was excruciatingly painful. And then, but you know, David Gerald, of course, got his start in the original series and came up with Trouble with Tribbles. But, um, but uh, oh, that was
2: a fan episode, or that was that was. Well, he, right. yeah, he was just a guy watching Star Trek really? at home. Why didn't know that
3: someday I'll be a sci-fi writer? That's and, interesting. Uh, he, he pitched a whole bunch of ideas, and they bought Tribbles. Um, that's how he got into the biz. So, so the writer's bible for for next generation, which I have, I never pitched this. To- to Star Trek, but I had friends who did. I was in like a writers group, and a lot of people pitched different Star Trek ideas. It's right there in the writers' bible. Everyone's perfect. No yeah. one, no one can have a problem. Start, you know, don't even come to us with a story about corruption in Starfleet. No, that's yeah. a big no. Starfleet is perfect, and no one has problems. Well,
2: they fixed that in DS Nine pretty
3: quickly. Yeah, finally. Yeah. But they, you know, after mm-hmm. for fifty-seven years of that, you know, yeah. Next Generation show. But but it's so weird that this and you know. Sports. There you go. You just saw. Um Spock do a thing that'll come up later. Spoiler time. You know, this is a, this is an internal Starfleet heinous conspiracy that we're yeah. watching in action. Yeah. Which is very unlike which, Next
2: Generation. And like, I wonder if when when Gene Roddenberry saw it, if he just didn't have the heart to tell them, I don't, I hate this. Because it's very <laughs> unlike Gene Roddenberry. This is a very dark Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, it ends well, of course, but it's a very dark Star Trek for Gene Roddenberry. From Gene Roddenberry. Well, Roddenberry
3: oh, yeah. along the way, I mean, I, I think Harlan Ellison said it, you know, he, he said, the reason original Star Trek is better than Next Generation is because original Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry was just a producer trying to make a buck. You know, and that's why, you and know... then that, he became a guy within a... Well, uh, then he became a guy who had thousands of people at conventions saying, you are a genius visionary. Yeah. yeah. And and he started to believe it, you know. And again, who else do we know that kind
2: of fits that Yeah, that I mean, That's model, the thing. Limitations you know? spawn genius. Exactly. In- and, and
3: nowhere can he... I mean, if you watch the original Star Trek, it, it is such a textbook example of low-budget filmmaking, exactly yeah. because it's like they're on the paramount lot name one section of the paramount prop department and costume <laughs> department they didn't base an episode on yeah they went to the nazi planet they went to the uh, Greek or roman planet yeah. they went to the gladiator planet the they monster the, planet. they went to the mobster planet <laughs> they went to every backlot location they had on the paramount lot and they built a thing around in fact david gerald's original script for um uh trouble with Tribbles. Um, he actually – it's in the script. It's right there in the in the scene directions where he says uh, it's a scene that was never ended up in the final draft and, and wasn't shot for the episode. But uh, the whole thing is about how the Enterprise has to guard the shipment of grain. And so they talk about mm-hmm. Kirk and Spock are standing outside the grain warehouse, which looks amazingly like – it says right, right in the stage direction of the script. The grain warehouse, which looks amazingly like an exterior of a soundstage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was actually proposing right there in the script <laughs> that the grain warehouse
1: would actually be just a soundstage there door dressed nice. up. So these guys, okay, wait, all right. What, what, up? what is the most, like the the closest analog to Star Trek in the realm of science fiction? Oh jeez, uh, there's nothing. Globally, yeah, not, not, obviously, obviously, you have your your sci-fi themes and everything like that. Whatever. In terms of the actual. The storytelling and what you're watching when you watch Star Trek. What's the most similar thing? Is it Firefly? No, not even. I don't know. I don't is think it so. Farscape? It, it, it is a little. Firefly it's has a lot of elements of Star things, Trek. Dude. I mean, it's, it's like. Firefly is
3: Star Trek, except the Starfleet is the bad guys. Basically. No, I don't
2: know. I, I disagree. I think Firefly is so much dirtier and so much more. It's so much. It's, it's based much more on realism than Star Trek ever was. Well, no, I, I just think that the Firefly people live
3: in this universe, they just didn't do a lot of episodes about them. But in the original series, certainly, they went out to the hinter planets where, you know, the poor people lived and they were barely surviving out in the distant colony worlds as opposed to the inner worlds, you know, the, of, the, of the Starfleet. And, of course, Starfleet is still based from Earth. I mean, the center of the universe is Earth. And, and you know, Starfleet is in San Francisco, you know.
2: so um, But Star Trek is... It- Especially the, uh, the Next Generation and original series it was very much like the Brady Bunch of science fiction. It's like <laughs> there was always a moral story, and everybody was always smiling at the end. Yeah. Whereas, Except for City on the Edge of Forever. And that's no, why yeah, it's on the Edge of yeah. Forever yeah. Is, is an exception. But every, it, there was always a, a happy ending, whereas a lot of the uh, later, like DS9 did not take that, uh, that tenant and use that at all. Uh, and, and Firefly, I certainly don't think, also has that either. Well it's much darker. It's interesting because Star Trek, if you look at the political philosophy of it, Star Trek is
0: very much a socialist we're all in this together, let's all cooperate. Yeah, kind we of don't thing. Ha-
3: we don't have money anymore.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Firefly is the exact opposite. It's a very
3: libertarian, just leave me the hell alone kind <laughs> yeah. of philosophy. So it's it's Star Trek is definitely it's it's about utopia. I mean it's you know the Starfleet and 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 all the worlds of Starfleet are definitely meant to be striving for utopia and ut- utopia being a technological world based on knowledge and equality. And again, you know, atheists like us love that sort of stuff. It's just normal people who don't. So, you know, that's, that's definitely the message. And sometimes it's a little too much the message, you know, and, and, and Firefly definitely is kind of a, an antithesis of that. But, but you know, Joss Whedon break definitely made the bad guys look like Starfleet, you know, even, even the way he shoots you know the 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 what are they called in in Firefly? The, uh, like the Alliance. The Alliance. Um, you know it, it, he shoots he shoots the Alliance as if it was a Star Trek episode. Suddenly Firefly becomes Star Trek whenever you you're on an Alliance ship or looking at Alliance people. Suddenly the camera's on a dolly and everything is yeah, very, everything's very clean, gentle. Everything's, everything's clean, clean yeah. and perfect and angular. So he was—he was making a statement about the world of Star Trek, about how yes, this is, a, this is a form of utopia, but the sacrifice is the loss of individuality and freedom, and you know the ability to say fuck you. you know? This is a a redress of the ten forward
0: set, which you can see there's <laughs> that replicator in the background, and once you turn around, you can you'll be able to see the the beams. That are the windows in, in and yeah. Ten forward, but they're yeah. hidden behind some curtains here. And there's
3: a barely recognizable Kurtwood Smith. That's true.
0: The, the yes, the dad on that '70s show. Another another actor that shows up, shows up in Star Trek many, many times. Quite a bit. He shows up um, as a big alien bad guy in Voyager. And uh, oh, that's right, he does another place or two.
2: I don't know. I I don't think that this this particular set is terribly recognizable as ten forward. You've got to have a pretty keen eye, a pretty keen Star Trek eye to recognize this set. You can see it in the back wall there and then if you look closely. Frankly I never noticed the back wall. I mean I noticed the pylons here that you're seeing right there. Yeah. But besides that, I, I never noticed well, that and Whoopi Goldberg's crouching in the fire. Yeah, <laughs> they should have yeah, the just had her it's like go. Three back.
3: Minute Baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. a
1: Plus, there's court. a ghost in the corner if you look Oh, close. It looks just like Ted Danzo. Obviously, yeah. the original series was limited by basically everything you can limit someone with. Yeah. So, I understand. Our aliens all look like humans in- with their eyebrows. Our aliens all look like humans with big ears. Right. Are, you know, I understand. Well, they that was almost that, worse. Or did they just later stick shows. to it. That was no, worse than later shows. Back. The
3: original series, you know, that's when they had the Tellarites and the Andorians, and you know, some pretty out the Gorn. I mean, come on, you know, the Gorn's a full head to toe critter. Um, they had a you know a creature that was a that was a, a you know a. Acid-secreting
2: monster that tunneled through rock. They had some freako uh, creatures. This actor coming up here is Rene Abergenet, who was who played Odo on uh, Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, in this, this future guy. where they have you know computers everywhere, they have a paper presentation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think
3: I, I always figured. And this not, guy's got the Morpheus glass. Uh, yeah. Right, wow, that's very space age. There, he's got a <laughs> Rospero flip chart.
0: But this guy does out. have a laser
2: pointer, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, I think oh, he's got very oh, high tech. tech. It
3: is the 24th century. And,
0: and this guy's name is uh, Colonel West, which is a play on. Colonel Oliver North. Oh, nice. For reasons. Oh, so I a never box. knew that. Yeah, how about that?
1: Oh my mm-hmm. God, he does have a laser pointer. <laughs> a laser pointer. That must have 91. been like a grand. It's <laughs> <is> the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But 1991,
3: <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. Woo, it's good. we can clean their the chronometers. Ah, the way you turn your phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so uh, what the hell was I talking about? Um, you, uh, uh some some goddamn thing. Play the tape. The Gorn. How you were. The Gorn. Oh yeah. yeah. It was later when suddenly the cliche became. Aliens look uh, like humans, because they've got a thing on their forehead, which I always figured was just... Okay, no one wants to be in makeup all the time. I mean, Odo, I mean, Odo, talking about Odo, you know, that's a full face makeup. I mean, you know, Renee Avergne Watt actually did. I mean, that is more face paint, but Odo is a full prosthetic. Oh, wow. Um, Or Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn, exactly. And then, like, you know, these people would, like, think, like, Christ, this show could run five years. I'm going to spend half of the next five years (laughs) sitting in a chair having shit put on and taken off my face. Well, Chris Rock actually played Whoopi Goldberg playing. Oh, yeah. And that's grueling.
0: I mean, they do retcon it. It's it's funny there is an original series episode that's not one of the better ones where they they have some off the cuff line of like this parallel development planetary theory where it's basically a line of dialogue that says oh well, this it's a series that this guy has that all these Societies develop in parallel natures to each other, and of course, it's when they come to the Native American planet. Yeah, the name, right, but, but <laughs>
3: I thought you were, I thought it was going to be the Yankees and the Communist planet. No, 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 which, no. Is, which is one of
0: the more extreme. Like, wow, okay, but really the, pushing. But it. there is an episode of The Next Generation where yes. they. Uh, it's actually a really cool episode, and they they spend the whole episode explaining this idea that there was one race before everybody else. And they they and, went out into the they, stars, and they, and they realized it. that there was nobody mm-hmm. else there, so they seeded it And they everything. seeded it. No, yeah. And, then there was, was and, and then,
3: they, Star Trek has touched on that all the way back, where, you know, uh, that was I think it was brought up in somewhere in the original series, where they said, no, we don't think that humans evolved that way. And, and Spock goes, yeah, but it might explain a few things about Vulcans and Romulans. You know, <laughs> yeah. he actually cop to it, like, that would actually help a lot. <laughs> that, would, that would connect a few dots for us.
2: Because Vulcans and Romulans are essentially almost it's identical. The thing, yeah. And they can, you know. But uh, the other thing that Star Trek does all the time, which is, a complete misnomer is uh or it's just incorrect it, is they have entire planets that have one ecosystem and that's yeah, uh, well, it's, 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 star, it's, it's star wars does it too well then, yeah. yeah but star wars at least at least you can have an entire ice planet there are like europa is entirely frozen that happens but like to have like an entire rainforest planet from the north pole to south pole yeah. come on yeah. an entire uh, water planet endor is also a bit of a <laughs> Hey
1: endor is a moon yeah that's Thank you different very much. that's yeah. so different yeah. i'm sorry Brian? You're welcome. <laughs> By the way, nicely played with the Europa. That was amazing. Oh, thank yeah, you. I, can't right. I think a better example would be Io, the volcano. Moon. Yeah. But, All right.
3: But, of course, they're also <laughs> very far from the sun. I mean, it's yeah. easy to be frozen if you don't get any sunlight. You know, Hoth apparently gets but a sunlight. But Europa is not actually entirely frozen
0: because it's close enough to Jupiter that the magnetic field tears up Brian, the Brian, ice. Look, oh, shiny. Star Trek, Star Trek fake did I, science, fake science. What sorry. Did I tell you about Europa?
2: <laughs> All these worlds are yours Nothing except, except Europa. Europa. And this and is where the landing's there. This is where they transition into English. It's a very red October. It's a very red red October moment. But I love that. They also do it in Battlefield Earth, by the way. I saw that last night. You saw Battlefield Earth last night? Are you okay? I I I love that guy's move. He's like, oh, oh."
3: there's some movies I'd rather see less often than Battlefield Earth. Uh, That's for sure. You should have seen the look on Fig's face just now. It does not translate.
2: <laughs> it does not compute. You know, Christopher Plummer, when this when uh, he got cast in this movie, basically flat out told them, I'm not going to wear one of those ridiculous wigs. Yeah, <laughs> he's like
3: he's like the most un-Klingon-looking Klingon.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. like,
2: I, you know, make me bald or something. And Oh, uh,
0: if you look right here coming up, it'll be very quickly, but you'll see Valeris. There right. she is.
2: Nope. T- in the top right. Beep. She's just
0: kind of loitering there. Don't before. you mean how?
1: She's what? <laughs> Valeris? Is Valeris? Oh, I, she, hit the the wall. The wall. she hit
3: the
0: wall and yeah. it just
1: buckled. oops <laughs> Yeah, this is I, my-
0: I like I like that moment because it's the only time they ever referenced the news in Star Trek. It was on the news. It was on the news. It was on the news. Oh.
2: The what? The what now? This is one of your favorite lines coming up here, Brian. Which one? Oh, tear Ducks. Oh yeah, it's so great because it's not something you would ever
0: think of. <laughs> I, she didn't cry at all. Well, she doesn't have tear
3: ducts, so it so, doesn't really tell you anything. Didn't you see her, like, spin in a circle? That's how they do it. They. That's how they mourn. That's how the Klingons mourn.
2: But if you look at Leonard Nimoy, even in this movie, well, you know, Scotty put on a lot of weight, but he looks a lot older than he
1: did when he was I was about Spock. to, earlier I was going to compare Leonard Nimoy to a Labrador, because once they get old, their head becomes huge. Yeah, his is getting longer. It really is. And it's like they have eyeballs, but they're tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the whole—he really does. And you know, that's why he Leonard wrote, Moines, that, why he wrote I, that book. I am not a Labrador. I'm sure he rules. I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he rules. I'm sure he rules. But he does have sort of a Labrador face thing going on. Mm-hmm.
3: Is this the one where? Okay, Kirk is on trial for some damn thing, and he's got it. Is this the thing where he's got? He's got the translator out right it now. I, I, yeah, I, I remember seeing this. Way back when, and I think, let's see if I'm right. Um, I remember there's a scene where he's holding it up to his ear, and on the bottom of it you see a very, very, very earthly dollar ninety-eight Radio Shack on-off switch on the bottom of that <laughs> translator button. Look for it. It's one of those little slider switches. You know, that clearly is like the props. I figured the props people put there to make the little blinky lights go on and off. Yeah, it's a <laughs> painfully obvious slider switch on the bottom of that thing when he's holding it up when one of these dramatic down angles.
2: And this is where you'll see Michael Dorn for the first time come in and play the... Uh, the defense Warf's, attorney. Yeah. Worf's grandfather. Are we in Thunderdome Klingon. now? Is that what's going Is on? The, the Atticus Finch of the Klingons. Aw.
3: Who's Boo Radley? <laughs> Kirk. Strangely enough. <laughs>
0: That's a very nice effect. It's, it's subtle, but it's, a it's a very not strange, you It's, it's a badly read.
3: designed room, though. It's, yeah. <laughs> where's well, your arm, dude?
1: Klingons dude, don't really do design Where's well. your
3: arm? Oh, it's inside your jacket. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that trick. <laughs> Boy, sometimes it's done better than others, though. I'll tell you, sometimes you see some stuff and you go, wow, I can't believe they
2: The thing I love about Star Trek us. is whenever they're, they're watching something live or on a television screen or, or the futuristic equivalent thereof, there's always, they're always watching the exact camera angles that the, that the <laughs> audience, the actual viewing public is seeing as,
1: as you're watching this movie. I, yeah. It never changes. I have a question, uh, and I guess Ryan of the people here would be the most prepared to answer it, but is the layout of the cockpit... Realistic, it seems like in a room with the people, like a bunch of people that have to we basically bridge, constantly be watching monitors. Would you really just line them around the walls? You guys all over there. We need a whole bunch of room for this one chair in the middle.
0: It's actually been used as people who design such things yeah, had, have used it as it sort of tested
3: as, a, as, as templates
0: a... and examples, and
1: it, it has come in handy for real designers. Really? Yeah. Seriously. It just seems really. We're gonna put. It, it seems like it's designed so that when they put a camera there, it looks nice. It is, but it also happens to be kind of efficient in the way it's set up.
3: There have been lots of experiments like those. I have a great book on uh, submarine warfare. See, there, there's the switch right there. <laughs> there's a little slider switch on. There. <laughs> um, on, off, in English. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, the, like, like, you know, we have our standard, you know, attack submarines and, and nuclear submarines and so on. I have a great book about... You know, the, the Navy would make these one off submarine demo tests, and then they wouldn't. They said, No, we're not going to make any more of these. This thing is a piece of shit. And then, but then they would not. They would often use them. And the people who often ended up with using them were the intelligence guys who were like, huh. well, We need a submarine. So we'll take the weird one off, one of a kind, crazy submarine. And they had one where the whole top opened up like a giant hatch. They could put equipment down inside of it and it leaked like a sieve. But the, inner, the inside of it, the bridge was a two level, it was like Galactica's bridge in there, apparently. Wow. It was a two level, totally open space. And they called it the Bat Cave. The, the, the bridge of that sub was called the Bat Cave. But it was laid out like that. It was the, It was the big room with, with instrumentation all around the walls.
2: Nice. So. This is where McCoy gets a little bit... I tough. swear, that's,
3: that's a, that's a floating inhaler <laughs> he's talking a bit. Yeah. It
0: was the last best hope in the universe is, is, for peace. If, don't
2: you mean the galaxy? And also, if you have an asthma just, attack, like,
3: you just take a hit off of that thing. Don't you really just mean this sector? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere? Yeah, yeah like, like the, the whole universe? universe? The whole universe? That's that's really a large place. Well, the whole galaxy. I mean, Star Trek, Star Trek takes place in one galaxy. That's plenty. That's plenty to
1: you now. This is the first time where you hear James Kirk's middle name officially. Was there any hubbub about the fact that his middle name is retarded? His middle name is awesome, by the way. It was always yeah. known as it, awesome. it was always known as Tiberius, <laughs> but they just yeah, that
3: was that was like no Tiberius.
1: Was, you've, you've, of, you've grown up with Tiberius. Let me tell you, it's a stupid yeah. name.
2: It's one
3: of those things it's
0: that was in a like Roman the Emperor. fan community for a long time, and then
3: it's like Tie Fighter. It's like you know, it's a, everyone knows it's a Tie Fighter, but it's just never called that in in the actual thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What about Yoda? That's a stupid name. Yoda yeah. is a retarded name. Okay, there you go. Yeah. His full name is Yoda. <laughs> right, Touche, salesman. Withdrawn. Yeah. <laughs>
3: lawyered. <No> objection.
1: <clears throat> so are the Jawas in the audience tonight? What's going on? Yeah,
3: really, the E.T. is in there, look, if you know where to look.
1: Is this a comedy club or a
2: sandcrawler? <laughs> <laughs> this really is a great set. Nicholas Meyer said it was really fun to shoot in that set, too. Trey, were you just saying this was a dumb room? Well, just
3: the fact that it's like it's built like a missile silo. It's like, what kind of who who thought of that? You know, th- this, the
1: well, super
2: high angle. In show. terms of functionality, it's stupid, but in terms of how it actually looks on. Screen, well, yeah, I think exactly. It's pretty, so, yeah,
1: go. so yeah, it's, it's, it's the counter, it's the flip side of the bridge. Exactly. You're really yeah. blowing me away with the whole. The bridge is actually a functional thing. Thing I've always thought it looked like it was a laid out specifically for television. It's well, interesting that it's actually sure it was, helpful. but it, you know, it's it's, it's well, great yeah. to shoot on.
0: The whole point of although it's to... actually
3: not great to shoot on. It's it's that's a hard set to shoot on. And all subsequent Star Treks have been hard to shoot on. I mean, it was, I was it was quite eye opening when I got to be on the set of Enterprise, where they were doing, they were actually gearing up for the episode when the Enterprise crew goes back to original series. Era Enterprise, They'd rebuilt an uh, mm-hmm. entire period original replication. They had the Enterprise set, and they had this complete replication of the original series set, which is amazing. But the way they shot, they, they finally evolved their technology. So on the series... Here's another, uh, this is a Khrushchev uh, Yeah, he's going to bang his don't wait for the, the trans-
0: Yeah, don't wait for the translation answer me now. That's, that's right. Khrushchev. Is it? Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. How about that? There's a lot of Cold War in China
3: and uh, historical references. Mm-hmm. All through here. Sorry. The, um, that's right. So... Um, and again i totally lost my train of thought. I was talking about the something. the, oh, the, the, the re- way the uh, way they uh, would the do it is on the T V series and this was genius, is they just the camera was always on a crane. And they wouldn't like, they wouldn't put like tripods and dollies that like, you couldn't because it was this, you know, crazy ass tiny floor. They would just, they would just fly
1: this crane in and just jam it in the middle of the set and then like point the camera, huh. Huh. And, you know, so, so that, the, so the, the camera's weight was actually being on, uh, it was like on a Western dolly, like 25 feet back. Exactly. It was
3: like the, the camera's being operated from, you know, f- <laughs> a football great. field away and just inserted through the few openings in the set. That's cool. And then it could fly around inside the set and do whatever. How but, about uh, that? Yeah. You know, that,
2: that, that was, I, I know, was know, shocked I was-
3: to see that's how they were doing I was like, oh, that's genius. Yeah. Well I know in the original series
0: that they had the thing was set up into into slices so they could remove like one section of wall and yeah they pull it out but so, yeah. so that was for the the NX-01
3: the Enterprise that was from whatever it was I I'm, I'm not I'm not hip enough to know what Inter- <sighs> the the Enterprise in the show Enterprise yeah. right 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 Yeah shut up Brian I,
0: Yeah <laughs> I yeah, guess, well, you I know guess what? that would be the Enterprise. You got to be on a Star Trek, but you know what? It was
3: the bad one. So there. So, oh. It was not. It was, yes, it, it, was. I, it was not was it bad was one. not next generation. It was also the bad one. Yes, but that's the set I would have liked most to have been on and we all know why.
2: By the way, I want um, I want like our United States justice system to have <laughs> I want a big yeah, big ball with claws on it. <laughs> with, with a, with a
3: justice suitor. on it. You were out of order. She There's was, Grace Whitney. No a lot,
2: yeah. yeah. Ah, Brock Peters, you're no longer alive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Half the people in the scene are no longer yes. watch yeah, that is true. Uh, oh, Grace
3: Whitney, for those who don't know, Grace Whitney dates back to the original series. She was the hot young chick. Mm-hmm. She was yep. Ensign, ensign Yeoman, Yeoman, Yeoman Rand. Yeoman, Yeoman, Yeoman Rand. Rand. And she was the hot girl in the, gee, for a military institution, the women sure wear amazing miniskirts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, which was, you know, it's like, yeah, it's science fiction, but it's also television in the 60s, okay? Mm. Swing, baby, swing. <laughs> so this is actually Richard Harris as the judge, but they didn't have to apply any makeup. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Someone saw this and said, you know, you know someday someone's <laughs> going to write a book about kid wizards, and he would be great in that. <laughs> very very Nazi-looking symbol, but not quite so much. Oh, it feels like a swastika, but it's, but it's not. Sort of, yeah. yeah.
2: I, don't, I don't really know if that was the point, though. I don't think it was. But I, don't know. I could be wrong.
0: Well, that, that's the logo that they designed in Next Generation and used for them there. Obviously bringing it back. It looks more like a Chinese star to me. I'm sure it's some sort of Klingon Blade-like
2: thing.
3: Rurapente.
2: When directing, uh, William Shatner Nicholas Meyer found the best way to get a good performance out of William Shatner, who is a terrible overactor, <laughs> yeah. is just to keep doing the takes over and over and over until and over bored again. Until with it. Until, until, he he's, bored until he's tired works. and it comes down. Exactly. Brings right. it down. And that, that is why these, this, uh, Wrath of Khan and Star Trek VI, you actually look at Shatner and go, wow, this is a really good performance. Right. And why in Star Trek V, when Shatner was directing Shatner, yeah. why it's the worst. We got it. Fun. Let's move oh, on. Man. <laughs>
3: oh, man.
0: So Shatner
2: funny.
3: says, use take one. Yeah, yeah. use take one. I'm always best on the first take. <laughs> got the most energy.
1: I have to go get five blowjobs.
3: <laughs> you know, these Red Bulls are really good.
0: The moment in Star Trek II, not to talk about a movie we're not doing, but where he, uh, they have figured out a way to retaliate against Khan, who has him basically by the throat using Starfleet trickery. And Khan is demanding these plans for this thing from him. And so what they've actually done is managed to lower Khan chip shields. And Khan's like, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> and Shatner just says, here it comes. And this is where that that bit of commentary comes. If you listen to the commentary on Wrath of Khan, it's Nicholas Meyer telling that story, going, we just had to do it over and over and over again <laughs> until he finally
1: got so bored he didn't want to do it anymore. You know, anymore. that's how Marilyn Manson records vocals. <laughs> <laughs> just keep doing it until he gets one, and we'll splice that one out.
2: Yeah, but... Uh... James Doohan loved doing Star Trek so much. When he actually went to conventions, he was in full regalia. He, he would be in his star, his engineer's outfit yeah. and everything. Like Alexander Dane
1: in Galaxy Quest? Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Galaxy Yeah, Quest. yeah there you go. Galaxy, oh, Galaxy Quest, is Quest is a fantastic movie. The more you talk about how some of the characters were worried about, or the actors in the characters that had the most makeup were worried about having to wear the makeup all the time, the, mm. the thing that I, I thought of was the shot in Galaxy Quest where after the convention where it's... Uh, Alan Rickman's character, like getting a beer, mm-hmm. and he's walking around and he's like shaving, and he's just got the thing on his head. His hair's broken yeah, yeah, yeah. down. He's like, yeah. This is a bitch to take off. He's going to hold off on that maybe I'll need it tomorrow. I'm not going to take it off. Okay. <laughs> it's possible James Dillon never actually changed clothing, and this is just what he wore all the time. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, the camera seems to be dashing a little bit. This might be a J.J. J. Abrams influence scene. J.J. Yeah. Uh, J. Abrams was 12 yeah. when this was being shot. The, um, he was 12 and on his way.
3: No, uh, no but, but, you know, he, his career is totally nepotism, man. But uh, not, he's not like Michael. He's no Michael Bay. JJ Abrams. So, <laughs> okay. seven people got that joke, but they just laughed their asses off. Um, now something I just found out recently, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but James Doon, even as, even in Star Trek, even in the original Star, Star Trek, is missing a finger.
2: Yeah, he, yes. lost, he lost it in Nam. In, no World, no, War, no, War, World II. War II. World War II. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, he was on television during Nam. He was on yeah. television. Oh act. yeah, I guess you're
3: right. Yeah, uh, that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah he was a pilot. Uh, he was a he was a. They never wrote that into a plot. He was a fighter pilot. No, he didn't. He didn't. They, he didn't they, hit they, it they show never up. they never made it. Harrison big... Ford had a scar, and yeah. they wrote it. Into well, it's harder to get rid of. Well, it's like it's like Gary Berghoff. Gary Berghoff has a flipper hand. You know, and... Uh, Who? Gary Berghoff, Radar from M.A.S.H. Oh, you know, he, oh, I didn't know he, oh, yeah, M.A.S.H. He's, he's, got a, he's got a flipper hand, and that's why he's always carrying a clipboard in that show. Oh. Because he's got a... He's got a, a you know, Baby hand. He's not necessarily a flipper, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a not a normal hand. So once in a great while, you can see it. But uh, yeah, you can, If you look really carefully, you can find this his missing finger in these movies as well. Oh. I didn't even I didn't even know about that until recently. It's just one of those things, like you know. Well, they did a good job because I I watched him in television movies for forty years,
1: and I never knew that he had you know he was missing a finger. Same thing with um, and this is funny. Steve Perry from Journey, no legs. <laughs> no kidding. Hey, look, Star Trek. Wow.
0: I always thought this snow was imperial really probe fake. droid. That yeah, snow does, does look this big. That, yeah. that it looks
1: even worse later. It's puffy. Yeah. A little it's bit just, yeah, it's just so. It's just sh- coconut shavings. Yeah.
0: UTV. <laughs> Here's
1: your oh. soapbox. Stand on it. All right. Yeah. Why? All right. This 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 show, and I've I've seen two episodes of the original series, and while knowing that I have to give it a shot, I understand. You really don't want to. I no <laughs> no, no no. I understand that it's a thing that can be enjoyed if you commit to it. I don't understand how it succeeded. I and mean, I guess it only lasted a few seasons, so it wasn't a, a tremendous success. It was never a success on the air. No. How did this happen? It Well... You know, is this?
2: I mean, is this? Oh, I have a theory on that, okay. and my theory is this: if you give any series enough time to settle in itself, it, it can it can mature into a great show. And Next Generation was flat out bad when it first came out. Now the now, n- the original series didn't last; it was canceled after three or four seasons. Whereas Next Generation, the first two seasons are absolutely terrible, and then from season three to season seven is excellent television. And I think it just takes a little while for. I don't know why Next Generation succeeded where or where uh, the original series didn't after the first couple seasons, but when it did succeed and it did go on to make seasons three through seven, it was excellent television. It was great. Star Trek actually went the other way the original Star Trek. The first two seasons were the good season. The third season sucked
3: ass, <laughs> and that's because they switched producers. Um, yeah, it's yeah. all about the people you have. A fellow a named Freddie Freiberger, who uh, became known as the show killer, because he was like the guy who, who they would hire for the la- what t- would turn out to be the last season of multiple television shows. That was kind of his career. Oh. Was,
2: um, that, that, that's the asterisk next to his name. He's, he's, yeah, Freddie Freiberger, <laughs> the
3: show killer. Um, and, uh, and, and why he kept getting handed science fiction when clearly he knew nothing about it. Because he was also, uh, you know, the first, the first season of Space 1999 is kind of cool, too. The second season is Dumber in a Bag of Hammers. Who was the producer of the second season? Uh-huh. Yes, it was Mr. Freiberger. Um, I thought you were going to say John Peters. Yeah, for him too. Um, but no giant spider. But, um, but the third, the third season of Star Trek is when the really dumb episodes started to show up. That's when like Spock's brain, which is like one of the dumbest episodes. Which did you know that was originally written as a parody of Star Trek, and <laughs> then it got? I have no re- have no difficulty believing that at all. Um, so and the, you know, the first season, especially, you know, that's when you know people are. The great thing about Star Trek and 60s television in general is, you know, people used to actually die. You know, people would get shot; they would die. People would get, you know, into dangerous situations and not survive them, which is just so rare now in television because everything is made of Nerf and no
1: one can die anymore. And also, they got—I so, mean, now they know about syndication and the importance of having an interchangeable episode every week, and they don't have to play in order. And yeah. Grandma can watch it, and it'll be sense And Star to Trek it.
3: just barely made it. They only had seventy-two episodes, or whatever mm-hmm. three seasons worth is. They barely had enough to be worth syndicating, but they just made it by barely squeezing out that and, third and season. People just liked it.
2: I mean I think again that people liked it after syndication and that is the reason why why next generation was given the chance to live on I think because if Nostalgia. if next generation no nice. exactly if next generation they said we need at least was, one more, we need one more season to make syndication worthwhile if next generation started the Star Trek franchise I don't think it would have lasted either it's just a matter of of the nostalgic audience wanting it and the uh, the studio giving it a shot, and then ultimately it turned into what I think is a great show. So And giving, pardon the expression, a next generation a chance to finally discover it and start watching it. Um,
3: you know, which, which I never did, because it wasn't my generation. <laughs> I was like, yeah, screw that generation. Well, there you go, yeah. I mean, you know, but, um, hey, look, it's David Bowie's wife. She looks like Halle Is that Barry? who she is? And that's Iman. I have no
0: idea. Like, I know she's a, a singer or performer or whatever outside, and outside of this, but I have no idea who she is outside of this. She's a model. Is what she's and why does she
2: have Brent Spiner's eyes? I don't know. I wasn't using them that day. <laughs> now here's where she, she it, it's very dramatic
3: and it's very, you know, movie-like, but what she does here, it's like, okay, that makes no sense at all. What, this little demo that she does here.
2: It's what like, makes even less sense is that she's proving a point to Chekhov, who is the security officer on board yeah, the Enterprise. Exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the, as you know. Yeah. yeah, as you know, this and this and this. But she's saying You are it, a doctor and I am a doctor, and therefore as doctors, we who's, already know what I'm about to say the out loud. expertise it is is who she's trying to explain it to. And he even asked the question. Yeah, the it's, it's terribly. And, and, and furthermore, why to... are
3: there phasers in the kitchen? <laughs> well, for, why are there pots and pans in the kitchen? But they, you know, that it's a little bit extreme as a demo. You know, it's like no, I'm it just is. gonna I'm just gonna melt this pot right out of that guy's. Hand. I just wish she missed and hit one of the. Uh, yeah, and then the blew cooks. the wall out. Yeah, you know, like destroyed
2: the food processor or something. But like why, that. yeah, why are there? Why are there uh, clearly like some sort of electronic servers in the kitchen as well, along yeah. with phasers? If Klingon, yeah, if Klingons are gonna board the ship. Are they going to go for the kitchen? Yeah, I don't think head so. straight well, to the kitchen. Juvel early showed thing. up in the
1: kitchen pretty quick. Yeah, he they did, that's, <laughs> that's That's because he's a lion. Well, actually, on the mini. he was a guy. Uh oh. oh, you might as well think of me as a lion. I've <laughs> got a mighty roar. That's right. What? I said a lion. Oh, I was. said a lion. I like, I like oh, the space. Alliance. The walls go oh, that's, that's weird.
3: Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Great lines. It was funny
1: because I watched now all time, six yet. episodes of Drive, Tim Minear's show to follow up Firefly, which was admittedly retarded in, in premise, but damn entertaining and fun to watch. Like, it was a really fun show. Nathan Fillion and a bunch of other actors that you've seen since then. But in the first episode, it's Nathan Fillion and the guy that played Juvel Early and just, like, having a conversation. Oh, cool. And it's really, really... He uh, shows up later in the series, too. It's six episodes, so I'm not spoiling the end for you. Now, of course, you guys know this, but uh, this is my chance to say it in a public forum, the, the show
3: that I just directed, and we're in post-production, ARC. Um, we as had, you know and I know. Yes, and <laughs> I know. as We're doctors, but for the sake of the audience, it doesn't know. Um, it was one of my great pleasures in the ARC when I got to uh, figure out what uh, costumes we're going to rent. I got to go to the costume place, and I got to handle all the spacesuits from firefly you know Mal's and zoes and, and uh, adam baldwin's as well um, and and the operatives and and uh, we rented the operatives helmet and then the operatives helmet is the helmet that we use in uh, the web series i just did and then shot on the set from bushwack and we shot on the set of Bushwhack, so it was uh, you know but I mean, it was just, a, just just to go the movie. just to go you know wow this is this is the, this is the operatives helmet this is the, the bounty's jewel early's freaking helmet and then i get to take it with me i get to pay a deposit and walk out
1: with it yep here I am. Yep. There are. Let's talk about it. this sci-fi movie. How about that? I, I love that line. When, <laughs> when The
2: crowd is holding back the the decrepit old doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you got him, Jim. You got him right where you want him. There's so many. There's so many great jokes in this. Earlier, when Spock is like, "Why is he I dressed know the like Captain, Fred Flintstone?" Because it's. Oh, the, this is what this is. The, they they did the, the balls joke here, don't yes, they? The, the do wrong the species off. joke.
2: On the knees, yeah, which
1: is a great idea. Oh, is that a? Th- Huh? What? But wrong species. Someone else stole wrong species. Broken but- allegiance. Broken allegiance. Yeah. This whole time, I've thought a shitty fan film came up with that yeah, joke, and really I always cool. thought it was a great joke.
2: Nope, it's right here. No. It's yeah. the, and it turns bright neon blue and pink. Orcs oh, aren't here. My I knee guess. balls. Yeah, Orcs aren't here.
3: Oh. <laughs> they made sting from his skin. That felt kind of good. You actually. never
2: see that
0: alien species again. That's yeah. okay. You don't need to see all the. You don't That's need one of the, the dumber looking alien species. <laughs> It, make any I thought sense. that one was
1: kind of cool looking. I thought it was. Yeah, pretty I cool looking myself. That guy. again. No, the creature guy said it sucked, so it sucked.
3: Well, we we're, t- were talking about. We were talking about. Um, someone mentioned Galaxy Quest. We didn't really get into it, but, but uh, the story that I always heard is Galaxy Quest was originally s- supposed to be a Star Trek. Yeah. It was, it was intended to be played by the actual actors, and it was about themselves about how much you're shitting me really yeah
2: no that's and, awesome and
3: then when they they you know they couldn't make that deal they said okay we'll make it about a show that's exactly like star Trek. wow that would have and, been and it amazing. makes it
1: and I, I gotta imagine that it's better for it i think it probably would have been i think it's better that that way you know you probably right it freed right. them it freed but, them um, up it, it would have allows them to, to say that, things that frankly you know. they couldn't say yeah, if they, they had, wanted the, to yeah, get that, those guys yeah, back
3: yeah, you know that they that those guys wouldn't have said although the 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 seven a alive uh seven that one but yeah Get a life is a classic but i was thinking more of the Futurama episode oh yeah which is which is outrageous mm-hmm. um, there's some some brilliant in jokes there um, the the best one was uh, are you aware of this future on episode no the every 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 one of this this cast did a Futurama episode where they played except because he is except for DeForest Kelly who is no longer alive, and and uh, James Doohan
0: because he was he was still alive, but, but he, he was yeah, suffering he from was, Alzheimer's yeah, towards the end. It. Yeah, but it was uh, Nichelle Nichols and is, is this, and is this else.
1: in the heads in the jars gag? Yeah, yeah, but they they've been put back on bodies,
3: and they've been this alien this alien intelligence that loved original Star Trek <laughs> created a planet where they could just act out Star Trek episodes for eternity, which of course is an, is a living hell to them. <laughs> um, so uh, so Great so concept. it's all about how how do we, so it's just like an episode because there like five episodes. That were kind of like that about yes we're going to live in my own little private place and we're going to you know be here for eternity together so they they're they're faced with this prospect of having to act out Star Trek episodes for eternity for this alien's pleasure um, and then Fry the joke is that Fry being from the because it wasn't Star Trek was outlawed because Star Trek yeah. became like a religion it yeah. finally had to be outlawed entirely so it was no longer known about um, and Fry being from the 20th century actually knows about Star Trek but he hates it. He doesn't like. He never was into Star Trek. No, he was. He's, he's, he's a Star Trek. Fan, no, he, right? no, he didn't like it. And so, so that's, it's, a, it's a nightmare for him too to be stuck in this situation. So, that's so he was of... asking. He asked the alien intelligence. The best joke in the whole episode is he asked the alien intelligence, "Can I ask a question? Can people who hate Star Trek go?" No, and, that's and, not. And, and, and Koenig to... in the background goes, "Good question." It <laughs> was a brilliant joke. He's he's got that a little wrong, but that's oh, okay.
0: Oh, do I? <laughs> yes, you do. Then who? I know then my then who said it? Well, if few. Fry loves Star Trek because remember he has his own fan script and he gets into the whole trivia contest with the being and
3: but who's, then who says that line can people who hate Star Trek go away I think it's Leela it might be Leela yeah it was Leela I think I think you are correct I will give you that one sir that's uh, right so so that's right Leela hates it because of course she's never seen it because it's a crime Fry's the fanboy okay I I, I grant you that you're right
2: now, this is a moment in, this is like classic Star Trek right here, where fast, yes. old, yeah. disgusting, sweaty, most likely
1: smelly, from William another Shatner. species is yeah. irresistible to this woman. Yeah, this she, is basically like Leia coming on to Jabba. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I don't even know what DNA you've got You know what's there, wonderful there is that you just
2: compared William Shatner to Jabba the Hutt, and that's yeah. a fantastic connection. And that's not a bad analogy in this
1: case. So William Shatner that. obviously grew into his persona because of the, the, the SNL appearance where you're talking about, where, if you guys don't know, I, I, I've seen this one. This one's one that, like, the pop culture I know. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, I don't know. Yeah. Where he comes on and he basically yeah. tells all the the, the get, track track get a life. Get life. Yeah, yeah, get a yeah. life. Exactly. And, and then, please. of course, with, with, with Free Enterprise, where... <laughs> They wrote, him, they wrote him into the script, saying, making him like a, like a god figure, like this sort of hero figure that saves the day all the time. And Shatner turned it down and said, I'm not going to do this movie ever. And he said, I'm a total dick. <laughs> and they came back with a script like, we wrote you in as a dick. And he's like, I'll read it. And he ended up doing it. <laughs> Where the entire time... And it's, it's a great role for him. And it's a, and it was great a, it's great a fun Enterprise. little movie, and it's got the whole... It's got all the Star Trek jokes, and it's got Shatner playing Shatner. Now, here, here we have... Um, uh, uh, oh, that's right, the Christian Slater.
3: It's a dream come true for George. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, do you know how he he ended up in in Star Trek Six? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know the story. His mom was the casting director.
3: That's right. And Is this his mom, first role? Can I get in no, Star Trek. it's not. A, it was an early was role. That but he, but he, yeah, yeah, was yeah, right. it was. It was. It's so. And it really kind of takes you out. It's like, hey, that's Christian Slater for no good reason actually, yeah, in think, one
2: scene. I think he was filming this simultaneously with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, if I'm not mistaken. Which I could be mistaken on. But, but I think that would have been. I think they were released now, at the so same time.
0: Do. But he gets his ass that chewed out sense. by
2: George Decay. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> steady, wow. steady. still a family show, Brian. Jeez. Oh, is it? Hmm. Uh, now of, to well. dream. It's kind of a touchy subject. Uh, uh, Christian I Slater. Slater. I love Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Oh man. Mm, Pepto Bismol. No, Don't taste it. Wepto-Wismol. wepto <laughs> you Now, Edge. Take- look at the- my makeup
3: up close. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Space pancake. <laughs> Just give myself a little laser eye treatment here. Ow!
0: That's what he was thinking. Obviously, obviously, this next generation transporter room. <laughs>
2: His mini is
1: off the charts.
2: Yeah. I love how Klingon blood looks badass. You see that? You see that globular cell of uh, Klingon blood? It's an ice planet. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Doesn't even know how to eat an ice planet. This is a great look that Spock gives Chekhov here because the running joke is everybody hates Chekhov because he's stupid. And look at this look here. What the fuck? You're dude? an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're, You're a, a boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And it's true, like. Chekhov oh. is very much. We've talked about how in Last Crusade, Marcus Brody turns into an utter complete idiot. Yeah, he does for the purpose. Totally yes. yes. for the purposes yeah. of the plot. And Chekhov very much plays the same role in this. And
2: you know, it's not just it's not just this movie. It, it, even if you look at his rank. He was the second in command of the of the Reliant in Star in Star yeah, Trek the, that's Two. That's the thing. Yeah. That he was make the any first sense. officer of another starship, and now he came back to be the weapons officer once again for for this. Yeah, in Star he's Trek Hagrid. Two, yeah. Yeah. in Star Trek Two, he gets promoted to first officer of this other ship, and
0: then something bad happens out that other ship. So, by through the purposes of that movie, he sticks to the, the Enterprise, just and then he just stays there, <laughs> like he never gets reassigned back to another ship. Nope. Yeah. No. And now everybody hates him
3: because he's a doof.
0: Meanwhile, George uh, Sulu was the helmsman for like 25 years, and then magically gets promoted to the super <laughs> badass
1: new command. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, you know. Now here's a question for you, Brian, because I'm not sure. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but on in this movie, on board the Enterprise, there are three captains. Because uh, Kirk, Kirk uh, Spock, and Scotty. Scotty's yeah. a captain, correct? Yes. Yeah, he has the rank of captain. Yeah. Right.
1: It's like a rugby team.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, a rugby reference. Wow, yeah, that's pretty good. Hey, Both I lived in England.
2: You
3: did? No. Hello, no. no, I'm tall again. <laughs> uh, this,
2: this. is another. Oh, that's right. Where this guy with that. This, like another, probably this most is probably the blatant little, uh, moments
0: where Chekhov is an idiot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> He's got this smug little look on his face after he drops yeah. his boot. And everybody's looking at him, going like, "Oh."
3: <laughs> yeah. Game set and match, look at, y'all. Look at it, horror Oh! oh. Uh, uh, yeah, those cool. feet make perfect what? sense. Uh, you look what? terrible everywhere. He looks like a human. They pull that on you. I know. That's that's yeah. that's just lame. He's got he's got a funny nose and alien feet that make no sense. His feet. Now, what I don't understand is
2: if you God, are, those are gross. This is a this is a, a a planet that or a moon, if you will, that is basically just a giant prison. It's just a prison moon. And what they're doing here is they're giving the prison inmates <laughs> laser guns. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Just like, Come <laughs> on. What could <good laughs> possibly <laughs> happen? Like, yeah, this is a great idea, people. This is really going to work. <laughs> yeah. Mind you don't cut yourself Is that a more guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's got, got a printer. printer gun in there. Yeah, <laughs> they'll. Print totally got a printer. But gun.
0: apparently, if you watch the laser beams do nothing except to make random make, spark make balls every sparks, make sparks. Well,
1: dude, they yeah. don't actually cut. That's what. That's why, like why Chewie's never hammering something. Yeah, but if
2: in the original series you can make weapons and lasers out of diamonds and rocks, then I'm <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. sure somebody could finagle a <laughs> weapon out of an actual laser gun. That's right.
3: If we could somehow turn this into a weapon of some kind, <laughs> we could get out of here. Oh, maybe they only bring the stupid uh, prisoners yeah. to the to this planet. That of, of the many thousands of great lines in Galaxy Quest, the arena riff is my favorite. Yeah. Look around you. Could you form some kind oh, of primitive r- leaf?
2: <laughs> <laughs> morphing technology it's brought fantastic. to you by Willow. It's fantastic. There's, there are many,
0: many examples throughout Star Trek where they make some great discovery or encounter something really neat for the first time and then completely forget about it. Yeah, something this, that would
2: literally change the entire course of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And this
0: is, this is Immortality. See you next week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. This is one of those examples where it's like a shapeshifter. Wow, we've never encountered one of those before. And in Deep Space Nine, one of the main characters is a shapeshifter. It's like wow, we've oh, we never, never encountered, encountered one of, those of these before. Yeah.
2: Well, of course, do some. She sort of, never makes it off this planet. She should do some sort of witty cut here where they would morph into a. Uh, I'd save, a save a little
0: money on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go.
2: Jeez, that, that, that saved an effect there. Whoa, she's huh. as big as me.
1: I can't decide which version is hotter. <laughs> But you know what? I'm Kirk. I'll do them all. Yeah. Trey? In yes. terms of what's going on with all these different alien species that I'm just seeing for the first time and, and, and you know, the the makeup and, in some cases... Many of the which have never been
3: seen anywhere else. They're not regular Star Trek aliens, but Are, I
1: mean, obviously a lot of these, and, and almost an overwhelming majority from what I've seen, look almost the same... If you have the same like nine things you can do with a guy, <laughs> yeah. is that an actual limitation or is that just something they chose to do? It's
3: it's a little of both. I mean, it's it can be a failure of imagination. You know, there's there've certainly been some humanoid aliens in movie history that are that are quite striking and and surprising looking. Um, they might be a very complicated makeup that you don't have the budget for for a movie. Um, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I mean, you know, Star Wars Star Wars has a pretty good. Range of aliens, but of course half of half of them were from makeup artist's you know back shelves. They said, "Look, we were going to do a cantina scene. Everybody bring every every alien mask you have, and we'll put them all in one scene." And that's that's how you get a Star Wars cantina. You know that's why there's a werewolf in the original because it's a werewolf is what that is. It's Rick Baker's werewolf mask. So. So it's you know it's it's a lot of work. It's a, you know Star Trek is kind of a given that you're going to be doing a lot of aliens. This one actually has more than many. The
2: most, at, yeah, than tend to have. Uh, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I didn't watch it nearly as much as I probably should have. But Enterprise, they actually they actually did more non-humanoid aliens in Enterprise than maybe they did in the other. I aliens, couldn't like- I
3: couldn't tell you the, the the they 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 were Klingons. They they're the ones they encountered most often in Enterprise is Klingons, but. Um, You know, Enterprise takes place at the... The end of the series is the formation of Starfleet. Right. Yeah. You know, humans were just starting to. You know, it's basically it's, it's shortly after first contact. Basically, it's, we've just started to develop this thing called warp drive and get to the nearest star systems. So, so all the original classic Trek characters were there because supposedly they're the closest alien species to us: the Tellarites, the Andorians, the Vulcans, the Romulans. Geographically, they're they're the, our next door neighbors. Exactly, they're mm-hmm. our yeah. closest neighbors. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I I know who to ask if I wanted to know, but I don't know myself. Um, if they encountered that many alien species, um, or if they encountered very
2: outlandish alien species. Because then the Next Generation tried a couple times with some non-humanoids. And, so, uh, somewhere, the other one I know is it was, it was a, well. basically
3: a tar monster that was one of the worst well, yeah. visual effects I've yeah. ever seen.
2: Yeah. What was no. the one, though, with the, uh, the pro- like it was all, it was obsessed with protocol? That uh, oh, particular species, uh, the Shellyak. The Shellyak, yeah, they were yeah. non-humanoid.
1: Like, I, I guess what I was getting at is, is Star Trek something that a creature person would want to end up on, so they could be oh, creative, yeah. oh, or yeah. is it just one of those things where I grew up on Star Trek, and I want to do it, or is well, it like it, it, I don't want to do that because they all do the exact same thing?
3: It's like. creative. I mean, it was really interesting to see. It's creative. It's 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 interesting. Everyone's approach is going to be different. It's an it's an interesting. Um, all of these scenes, by the way, shot in Alaska. Very nice. Flew up and. But how do they make it purple? I don't think it was a that, that, they, they actually had to go to Aurora Penn They Bay. had to go to a special day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a combination because you, you know, it's, it's, it's a makeup job but it's a steady weekly paycheck job too. I mean, I, I met several creature guys when I did my appearance on Enterprise. I was there for 3 days. I met several creature guys that I'd worked with before and they were like, "Yes, yeah, this is a great gig. You know, I've, I've been here for 3 years. It's a steady job." What <laughs> movie lasts for 3 years, you know? yeah, This is yeah. like the first closest I've had to a steady job. And the poor bastards, they were on Enterprise, which I think only lasted Three, three seasons yeah. you know it's like imagine being on Next Generation or, or Deep Space Nine and often they rolled from one to the next you know some of these yeah.
2: guys had been makeup artists on uh, Star Trek for 20 years coming up here, right here is another ex- is, is an example awful. where Nicholas Meyer kind of screws up as a director because what they're doing is they're sifting through textbooks oh, this is, oh, this is, for, yeah, to is, translate Klingonese yeah. When really all first of all just Bron- for this joke, Bron- which Brian, is a funny joke. Before, but yeah. well, Nichelle Nichols really
0: disliked this part too. She her her argument was my character as the communications officer yeah. would know the language of our main enemy. Yeah, exactly. We would
3: understand. And even would- if I didn't, I wouldn't screw it up this badly. Yeah. And, or
0: and, and then can- you're, then you're talking about a state of the art computer system. You, I'm sure you have Alta Vista in there somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why, why does the universal
3: translator suddenly not work?
0: Yeah. Anymore? Exactly. Yeah. I, well, but, they, they, th- they have a throwaway line in there that the Universal Translator will be
2: recognized for yeah. whatever reason. But if Nicholas- Only there was some sort of fish. fish. Nicholas Meyer's uh, excuse for this is that he, he said he just loves books. And he loves yeah, well, there you go. He and blue food. to show and blue books food. in the future. Yeah. He thought it was a good... well. That was a,
0: Shakespeare, Sherlock Holmes,
3: Blue Food. There was another thing that was cool about that last episode of Enterprise, the last two episodes that, that I was in. Because, again, it was about the formation of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about how, no, can't we form some kind of... F- fleet of stars aligned together you know and, and, uh, and there's the Tellurites and the Andorians and we're all you know but it was also they made a reference it was also the first attempt to test the universal translator so we all had prototype universal translators really? and uh, so that was like the first sort of like okay. And, and if you watch that episode you can always tell which one is me because I'm, I'm shamelessly hamming it up in the background I'm the Tellerite whose translator doesn't work oh. so, so anyone's talking to me I'm kind of like banging on it and kind of like this fucking thing does not work <laughs> You know, that's awesome. I'm, like, tapping on it so much so that the, you know, like, someone came up and talked to me, like, an Andorian guy came up and talked to me, and I kind of, like, it was like, speaking to the translator, <laughs> did a big thing, and he was playing his day in the background, I'm totally stealing the scene from, from uh, uh, you know, <laughs> from, uh, like, no AD from Clarkson, came up from, and, from, and said,
0: all right, stop actually, it or you're out.
3: The, the, an AD came up and said, take it down a notch, followed immediately by a, by a prop guy going, I love what you're doing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was working the prop, you know, I was totally yeah. working the prop. I was like, yeah, Universal Translator, check it out. <laughs> So I, I took it down a notch, but I'm still in there doing it. And, and of course, you know, my, my they, it was me and Amy Earhart. They they brought us in together to do it. And she was a Vulcan and I was a Tellarite. So, so if you happen to watch the I'm episode, if you happen to watch the episode, just watch. There's a Tellarite and a, and a Vulcan who are awfully pally in the background. It's like why is that Tellarite always talking to that Vulcan? You know, and I'm like chasing her back I and they're forth. Supposed to hate each other. I'm what? chasing her around the room. I'm like you know arguing with her, and I'm like no you st- you don't don't you walk away from me Vulcan lady come on.
2: By the way, uh, coming just, up right here is just a, it up like crazy. Is a is William Shatner's wet dream. That's I weird. don't want to watch this. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I'm not sure.
0: Whoa!
3: <laughs> Hello, handsome. That was kind of cool. <laughs> mm. Convincing for boop. William
0: Shatner I love Shat- fighting exact William Shatner.
2: <laughs> yep. Slide. They got this fight scene all... Goofed up though Like the way that McCoy, Like see Look how McCoy's laying right now And in a minute They're gonna roll Over McCoy From head to From like <laughs> Feet to head Instead Ouch. of over the side Like it like it would've Actually worked
1: and They roll over the uh, The The little Campfire thing They never Okay this is a mistake The lighting Between the two of them Was different <laughs> Well not only that But in the, in the Split screen He was lit from both sides As if there was not A thing blocking the light <laughs> You see that, that? Yeah <laughs> I'm sorry, ah, hey, it was vice the... versa, actually. It was
2: supposed to be rolled over from foot to head based upon the trajectory that they were rolling, and then it rolled over,
1: like, from his side to side. Now, you were talking about how the original Star Trek episodes were all tech knowledge that wasn't really important, and it's funny how that's how Star Trek fans turned out. Not the original Star Trek. The original <laughs> Star Trek is
3: much more about, fuck it, I'm going to punch that guy in the head and take his woman. You know, Next Generation was where they would sit around going, I sense anger. Well, you know, the tachyon overflux will be shut up. You know, it's just—it was just terrible, terrible television. Now maybe after two seasons of that, maybe they wised up and started punching people in the head. But I was long gone by that. Oh. So
2: oh. Now now okay, you'll see right. that one of the Shatners just got shot right here. And Brian and I have always had this joke, like at the end of Generations, when the character, <laughs> the character, character end, dies, it like turns he back to into into yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that's the way—that's the way yeah. Generations should wow. be. How'd what
0: you was... going though? How'd you going? <laughs> it was fun. <laughs>
3: like Dallas. Yeah. It was fun. Imam? What the hell? David Bowie comes in. Oh, no! All this time I've been married to William Shatner! (laughs) It's like John Malkovich.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love that joke, too, because it's always a classic joke that the villain... It's a very James Bond joke. The villain will tell the hero his whole plan before he executes it. Yeah, monologuing. That's a a great twist on that joke. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to kill you now anyway, so I might as well tell you. Mm -hmm. Damn it!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You got me monologuing! I actually saw uh, two times in my life have I had access to Star Trek information that Brian would have liked to have. One time I was at the Dave School when they were working on New Voyages, uh, which is why I, we got to interview George Takei, because he was doing that at the Dave School. Uh, but they had a bunch of, like, I, I guess, that were previously off-limits schematics. So Brian came in for the, for the Geeksa thing. He was going to videotape the Geeksa thing. And instead he spent, like, the whole afternoon just taking pictures of the no, bulletin board. I after the fact, thank you very much. But yes, <laughs> I took photos of these very cool schematics. And the other time something. was, I think it, it might have been TNG or or one of the other, the more recent television shows, where I was playing poker with a bunch of effects friends that sometimes we get together and play poker. And one of them had had Hang the on. original... Hang on, guy? He... He's like, he tells him to set
0: a course for something, and the, the other Klingon says, Dush, here... He has a great Klingon accent until Kirk at the very end. He's like, Dush, but, uh, uh, Kirk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, he obviously practiced that word.
1: So, anyway, he anyway, had original schematics of the, whichever version of the show that was his main Enterprise looking ship. Mm. So it was pencil on architecture paper. Nice. <laughs> and he just had to roll it out and, it, you know, like blew the dust off of it. Like, you know. Wow. It was really cool. Did Kirk leave his napkin in his? Tr- What's going on?
3: <laughs> this, yeah, this, this, this uh, uniform design started with Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. and they just they've kept it through all the rest of the. Movies. I really, it's very naval military. Looking it's, very,
0: uniform,
1: it's
3: but I think it's yeah. the best out of. I'm not sure oh. what that's about, but I know the thing is like it's, they, they took great planes to hide the snaps. And the vel- they want to have snaps. They want to have Velcro. So it's got these little like bugle beads all sewed in it, as if that's what makes it adhere. See the little sparklies there? That's supposed to be what's holding it together when he closed it up. But I don't know quite what it's for. It's for so in Star Trek II,
0: so when Scotty's nephew you
3: can get that wrapped, bloody print, you get that bloody you know? handprint. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they exist. One of the dumbest dramatic moments is like you know it, it's a dramatic moment that's wonderful when you know after the after the accident they pan dramatically and there's Scotty standing there with his
2: dead nephew on in his bridge. arms on the bridge. Yeah, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. take come,
3: to the bridge. Take the corpse to yeah. sick bay. You, you, We've covered you, this. You
2: realize this is about as far away from sick bay as you can <laughs> yeah. get. he might have made it if you hadn't <laughs> made exactly. the We're extra trip. In are pretty sure you passed sick bay on the way to the <laughs> yeah. bridge. And you know how you get to sick
3: bay when you walk into the elevator? You say the words mm. sick bay. <laughs> it's not hard. We've been through this.
2: Another one of my favorite jokes. I wanted George Decay to be in that bed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Hello.
0: Is when uh, when Scotty says after his nephew dies, you know, he's, it is supposed, when the other trainees ran. It's like, yeah, Scotty, they ran because that's what they
2: were supposed yeah, to do. they were on fire. That's what they were trained to do. <laughs> they didn't set their and burn. That's why they're that's
3: alive right, right now. Well, that's right. They, they, STFU and JTFO'd. <laughs> GTFO, I guess. GTF, uh, yeah. damn close. It's hard to do. It's hard to spell acronyms like that.
2: Now the uh, I love it when McCoy comes in here and gives his little like one-liner. Like, Such a bad one yeah. one-liner. The operation is over. Oh, thanks, Doctor. That's cute. Mm. Hello. <laughs> Great. Very cute. Dun, Can dun, we get da. back to dealing with galactic <laughs> yeah. civilization,
1: please? Is he the three PO? This is one clever trap that they've set yeah. here. No, he's not, not quite really. that bad. Oh, this is such a drag. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Please.
3: Now, we're getting, again, we're getting into something that's pretty darn radical for Star Trek of any generation. This idea that this Vulcan, you know, is at the heart of this conspiracy to
2: murder and defraud Starfleet and cause a war because she's figured out that's the logical answer. Which, know? to close the loop, is why Brian mentioned earlier why Gene Roddenberry did not want this character to actually be Savick. Right just because he didn't want Savic to become
3: a villain. He wanted some other Vulcan.
0: And Nicholas Meyer obviously wanted to have that, that sense of betrayal
1: with the character that the audience already knew about. That's why he
3: wanted it to be the same.
0: That's, but sort of a, that's
1: kind of, no. See, I don't even know anything about the series, but that seems like, no, kid, you can't do that to the show that's existed forever. <laughs> well, you, don't, Savick, you don't get to be like, man, they've already built in some emotional resonance here. I'm just going to fuck with it. Well, Savick, do that Savick, is, not, Savick
3: is not from any series. Savick was only in one prior movie. Oh, two prior, um, two prior, okay, prior mind, movies. Then. That's right, no, she was briefly in
0: But she, if she was a prior Actually, she established... She was in three prior movies. If you, if you count Star Trek IV. She's like in the first like, five minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't know. Anyway, but I, you know, I, this is one of the things that, you know as a little ham-handed you know, as I, it was, I like the idea that, you know, here's this a Vulcan of all the characters saying, no, yeah, fuck. You know, I, I, I totally trust Yeah, you. This makes sense. They never had yellow cake uranium. I made it all up, and I'm proud. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, that that would be the logic. She worked it out. She did the math, mm-hmm. and that's where she ended up. And I thought that, I thought that was now pretty cool. I, know
2: I actually like that. I like that concept yeah. a lot. Now, coming up here is when, when, when Spock does the mind meld with her. Yeah. When, for as long as I could remember, when I grew up, of course, is that a dance move? we watched. I'm sorry. Is that a dance move? How do you not know
0: what the Vulcan mind meld is? That's like <laughs> yeah. a cornerstone of popular culture. <laughs> yeah, I must have it. missed that one. Okay, you oh, see it right. coming we'll up. see it coming up. But, but, but Vulcans don't do it to was, each other. When, when I watched this show,
2: this movie, over and over and over again, when I was growing up, of course, it was on VHS because it was before the the dawn of DVDs. And when I finally got the special edition on DVD, they had actually changed the sequence a little bit. A little bit. Because they, they they threw in those still shots of Admiral Cartwright and of the Romulan ambassador. And I didn't. I don't like it. I don't like how they do how they do that. It it took me a
0: long time to put the pieces together as a kid, and it's much more obvious now. I don't.
2: I don't know. I I like I liked it much better before when they didn't spell it out for you. It's like they just he'll he's he's getting the names from her mind and then just says it as opposed to oh now we'll have to show a picture of Admiral Cartwright. Oh really? Do they do a flash frame? I don't, they I do. Don't, I they don't do. Abuse. Remember ever seeing that? But well, I. We're at really it. and Jabba's
1: new song sucks. Yeah, <laughs>
2: really. But I'm going
0: to I mean, do you weird weird right here weird weird on the moment. bridge. I'm going to make watching. out.
1: And it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's
2: going to be weird Vulcan. But like, that's actually kind of a, what he was going for. It's, it's like, it in, a, like in a way, her. it's like a mental
3: rape. Yeah, for, for Vulcans, it's like he's, he's doing it her right here on the bridge. And it's a really excellent little.
1: Wait, what's he doing? Between. This is the, he's, this he's is the mind meld. He's doing a mind
0: meld, in which he's going to look into her mind to find the information. Yeah. And so he he's doing it now, and he'll get the names of the people involved. Yeah. But what's, is, is,
3: but what's tough about this is Vulcans don't usually do it to each other because they they shouldn't be able
0: see, to. See, These them. are the
2: flash frames. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. cheesy. Yeah. Exactly. And Just, so he. It was such a beautiful shot before that. Anyway, go ahead. So
0: he he looks for the for the names and he gets them, which is what's happening right now, and then. Kirk says, well, where, where is the conference going to be? Where is the assassination going to take place? And so he starts digging, can't find it, can't find the information, uses his other hands to signify a double mind meld or whatever. But it really basically digs through her entire brain to find this information yeah. and can't because and she physically locker, and she yeah. physically reacts all the way to, to second grade yeah. and really, the yeah. way
2: they both play and the way they yeah. both react <coughs> off of each other is really well done. and then after after spock realizes she doesn't have the information he, she doesn't know he actually says she does not know and spock's voice is actually cracking because he's 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 overcome with emotion as well because of what he just did to her which is a really nice and you see
0: sure. right here just what she's doing it's
2: it's yeah. It's really nice. I he's loved so, your yeah. work in sections. Imagine, yeah, imagine King Control having yeah. this sort of reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, he's, you can't. He's, busy, he's uh, basically
1: opening up all the
3: file cabinets of her mind and just throwing the files all over the place. Uh,
2: Scotty's all over this. <laughs> yeah, Scotty's like, "This is." Awesome.
1: There are some boners on that set. <laughs> this is badass. <laughs> it's
2: like Starship Troopers with a brain. But here's bug. the moment where Ooh. where Spock kind of breaks a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's like, hey, wow. It's so great because they they have to save the day. This is what they have to do but they kind of have to be bad people themselves <laughs> yeah, to like, save the day. That was, yeah, geez. I, I mean, could... he
1: basically just waterboarded her, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's totally justified. i got to tell you. Well, is it? You Not know, only have I never heard the term, question. I've never seen any visual reference that looked like that. The only thing that I've seen anything like that is the uh, the neck pinch. Yeah, which is, I've I mean, seen that, actually, yeah. Which is a companion piece. But know. I've never seen anyone touch someone's face and do the whole shaking thing. It doesn't happen too often, except for when it happens. Except for when Book grabs Mal's face, in Serenity. It's like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to you now that you're dying and grabbing my face. Hey, look, it's Reba McIntyre. But
2: back, it didn't right? happen so often in Star Trek that it that you know it was a regular thing. But it, but every time it did happen, it was like a cornerstone of that particular emotional moment, and so it was always a very important moment. And so that, I think that's why it registers with... I, I, I'm i really surprised you haven't heard of it before, frankly. But. Never. Surely not. It, it's sort of a it's, yes, it's certainly a pop culture thing.
3: Yeah, and then you know, she took me home and we she totally did a Vulcan mind meld on me. I mean, people <laughs> use colloquially now, I guess in certain circles anyway.
2: Wow. Well, cool circles. My, my girlfriend never mind melded me. Well, you've you got to get them drunk. You've got to get the kinky
3: ones. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the special yeah. kind. Check and check. What else? <laughs> brain and brain. What is brain? Brain and brain. What
2: is brain? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Good foolie, Mary. It must be an That's an accident. unsettling episode, actually. The, the Miri episode, where, where the kids, you know, if you, the kids don't grow up, and when they do, they become Dead. mutants oh, yeah. and yeah. freak out. So it's like this planet populated only
2: by overgrown children who, like, are just off. Yeah. Ugh. What, do they become assholes or
1: something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This
2: is one of my favorite scenes in this good movie, tooling. too. And there's a really, really good chemistry between Nemo and Shatner here. And one of my favorite lines is in this, in this scene as well. Actually, it's coming up right here. Captain, have you ever heard the phrase "happy ending"?
1: Let me show you how it's done. Have you guys seen the the YouTube video where they basically took closer by nine inch nails and took shots of Kirk and Spock, and it's basically <laughs> this like long, drawn out sexual tension that oh, yeah. becomes almost unbearable, <laughs> <laughs> based on just the out of context shots they have of these like really. So sort it's of like the Brokeback Mountain thing, just was. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's like. <clears throat> and they're like, it's just this really weird oh, sexual... No, it's like color-timed, it like the seven opening. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: And here's here's Spock himself. They're both admitting to their own prejudice, and Spock mm-hmm. himself is admitting how prejudiced he was You know, being blind to what uh, Valerius was doing she, because did, she was a Vulcan. He, yeah,
2: he thought she would be incapable of such things because simply because she was a Vulcan.
1: It's unfortunate we never saw Yoda go through this when he realized that Oh my God! Everyone around me sucks. Yeah, yeah. And that's because I'm an arrogant prick. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. There was never that moment. Nope. Yeah.
2: There's never any moment. There was a, in a lot of moments that weren't in that movie.
1: Yeah. Movies. There's
2: no moment, moments.
3: Don't crucify yourself. Hey, what what the hell are you talking about?
1: But at least he wasn't a puppet.
3: Yeah. Thank God.
2: And throughout the entire jailing sequence during this movie, it never occurred to the uh, the cap those holding Picard, oh, Picard sorry, <laughs> sorry, Shatner, what? Kirk and McCoy captive to, to remove their uniforms,
0: thus removing the patch that allowed yeah. them to
2: re- rescue them in the first exactly. place.
0: Exactly.
2: Yes. Well, you know, Spock smacks a homing beacon wow. on his shoulder, and it gets
0: past everybody. Now, this uh, this building here is somewhere in the Central Valley, I think, somewhere
1: in it's north it's of very here. Very modern Lutheran church. It's- yes.
0: But it's, it gets used a lot. It's used in a, in a, an episode of Next Generation where it, it's like a
2: Borg compound somewhere. Oh, and really? And it's, it's also the the
0: main building from Power
2: Rangers. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wait, is, that, is that from um, the episode when Lore had Yeah, okay. that one. I always thought the Bird of
3: Prey Pre design has been around since the original series. I thought the Bird of Prey was always like a good, weird spaceship design.
2: It is, but it's silly in that they also scale it up. They it, scale it up and down all over the place. Yeah, yeah. so it, it it just doesn't work that way. It's like you can't make a, a you know a single engine airplane five hundred times bigger and it would work. You know, that's exactly what they did with the Klingon Bird of Prey because the first one was only supposed to hold 12... 12 yeah, it was, it was like it was like a little destroyer. Exactly. Oh, here we exactly. go. Here's one oh, of fast our favorite traction.
0: moments. Oh, yeah. This this moment just <laughs> passed. Here he goes. Okay, how long until we get to Kiddermore? Uh, about two minutes, and they're traveling at warp. And he goes, okay, go to impulse. Logically, that would change the amount of yeah. time it's going to take for them to get there.
2: From two minutes well, to several hundred years. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: That's one of my favorite little plot holes. Because it, it's so easy to have fixed. Some, just somebody with a basic understanding. All they had to do in, put, in post-production was just go, let's just flip these lines right yeah. here. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it will make they're sense. Because they all
0: off-screen. Yeah, it's nope. all, a, it's all you, n- you don't see any of their mouths or anything. She's rigged for silent, silent
2: running. Well, they're in space, so I hope so. <laughs> now, this battle <laughs> sequence in space is my all-time favorite because I think the model work is so beautiful. My favorite uh, shot of all time is coming up in here.
1: All right. Well, I've got Return of the Jedi playing in my mind right now, so we'll see, see how this well, goes this is, down. Well, is is this, right, hold, is hold on. This the
2: one, let, me, let me. From
3: memory, this is where they actually get to the level of
2: of plates peeling up, right? Now, it seems like. Let I've me make an that. addendum to my previous remark. It's the best Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Same, and ah, and it's beautiful. The best battle fight, the fight scene in space, is in Return of the Jedi. I will not try to argue that or maybe starship troopers <laughs> <laughs> starship troopers are good what well, i mean the, the creature effects that's those are awesome. but i do think that this is this is a much more beautifully ex, uh, shot space battle this, I there's think nothing is, beautiful about return of the jedi it's just awesome and badass where this is beautiful
0: i, I really like this battle because i think it's a nice blend wrath of khan has this, has one of the great space battles in cinema history but it's very submariney. It's very slow and it's very mm-hmm. tense. And some people don't like that. It's fine. I do. And it, but the, the, you have the other extreme that is like a Return of the Jedi, where it's all this, you yeah, know fighter yeah. planes yeah. through through the air kind of thing. And I think this Surprise. achieves a nice balance between a kind of a submarine naval
3: ship feel without being as slow as the Wrath of Khan one is. Now here you see people showing off their thirty-year practice at the Star Trek shaking your chair. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you know, <laughs> still patented.
2: This is a little bit of useless drama right here. What's he doing? This, this, this little... Mo- this moment where they doesn't just... Doesn't
1: go anywhere. No, it doesn't. Yeah. It's just wondering why we were reversing. It's like that beaten yeah. crystal skull where his pocket rips and the nothing happens after that.
2: Oh, yeah. oh thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I, did you oh notice my. that too? Yeah, the first time I saw the freaking movie. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great... Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing happened. Uh? Why did that... Anyway. Sorry. Come on, come
0: on. She'll fly apart. Fly apart then. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh. Uh, warp 2. Then. Warp, yeah, warp slow, 2. Slow down. <laughs> Lunacris speed. Go to Vlad. You, you know what? Just stop altogether. Yeah. I don't want to risk way. it. My ship is too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I like my ship. Yeah. Big. What big. Screw gets. Shatner. If it I mean, to slow get. down. I mean, the far
1: side. And <laughs> you know, Billy West said that his mandate for... Uh, Oh, God, what's his is name? Zapp Brannigan? Zapp Brannigan was <laughs> if William Shatner flew the Enterprise and not Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually. William Zappers.
2: Shatner.
3: There you go. Went up the tailpipe, Enterprise.
1: What now, this
2: at? this shot coming up here is my favorite shot in all of science fiction. The next shot of the Enterprise, you'll see.
3: Really? Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: It's just That's beautiful. Just a beautiful model shot right there.
1: Ooh. And yeah, you can
0: see the plates kind of torn up over there. Just the thing I'm noticing
1: shot. is the uniformly lit nature of these ships in deep space. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Star Trek. Oh boy, hey, you're the one that talked
0: to me about when I said, "Hey, I want to make my spaceship realistically lit." You went, "Uh, no you don't."
1: <laughs> so, I said put it next I said either light it with lights on the surface or put it next to something bright like the Earth, which I did. Which you did, and it looks great. Yeah, can I have that at some point? No. Okay. <laughs> it looks great on my computer. Not even kind of. But still, that was kind of like a that was a fairly lit lit. All
0: right, here's that another That was extremely. Hang on. It, yeah. This moment is another huge plot hole. Spock just goes, "Okay, they just here just now. What happened?" <laughs> They're like, "Okay, well, we can create this this torpedo that can homing device on them." And Spock goes, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. Dr. McCoy, would you care to assist me in some surgery? And Dr. McCoy goes, all right, let's do it. Where he re- what he really should have said was, you know what? We're in a battle right now, and there's a lot of people that are probably hurt and sick bay. <laughs> yeah. I should and, probably go down there and do my job. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I should,
3: and Spock should say, and I should probably get some sort of technician who would yeah. be good at doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: I think Scotty's not doing much right <laughs> now.
1: Does anyone know... How I know how they create the star fields, but how do they shoot them? I mean, do they just—is it just a mocam thing, or like I mean, is it? Is I don't it,
3: know.
2: Actually,
1: I don't know how they at shoot at this they, level. Like, I the, mean, panning and tracking it's, it's,
3: shots—it varies shot to shot. Sometimes you just do a slow pan, and then the ship moves against it because there's yeah. No I, mean, direct I mean, that kind of thing is fairly easy, yeah.
1: but it's like some of these things are just like these really complex Me. pans around like a, what, what what looks like it has to be a sphere of a minute of a of a stars a star field. However, you're going to shoot it, yeah. I don't know, whatever. Maybe They just shoot it with a fish eye and it's basically basically just a big disc and they just yeah. pull all around. All this stuff it.
3: is pretty well documented in old Cinefix magazines. And by the way, the you can
1: definitely uh this is a point where sound really helps. No, fuck movie magic.
2: When uh, Christopher <laughs> Plummer is spinning around in his chair right there, you hear like the mechanical like whine of a, of an of a of a motor kind of spinning <laughs> the chair, but you can clearly see Christopher Plummer just kind of sort of kicking his yeah, way around just pushing in a circle. He's still got himself. a motor. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that was kind of neat.
0: Yeah. They blew And this is the uh the observation lounge set from next generation and they
1: they blow the sucker they
0: up they blew the piss out of
1: it they came back in the next week so they're going to like start shooting another scene and they're like, like what the hell something is bad happened sh- here. i i might be mistaken
0: but i think that's if if you watch next generation the, in the original in the first few seasons they have in the observation lounge they have like a wall of model ships on the on the wall yeah. and in later <laughs> seasons it disappears and it's just kind of like this paneling because at one point all those models Ships in that
2: section of the wall got damaged, and I think it's because of the shooting explosion. The they just yeah. started destroying the moose. You'll notice here they just loaded the torpedo, but they never actually closed the hatch. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and there, there's Spock and McCoy peering down the <laughs> torpedo hatch, <laughs> and we always imagine them just floating right aimlessly by the uh, view screen at Cut one point. Cut to them with the Wally e. Coyote-like no eyebrows, <laughs>
0: like no boy that burned. And for whatever reason, because it happens in the very next movie, the same thing. When Klingons see a torpedo coming at them... They do nothing. They just, they just
1: go, yeah.
2: stand can't there. Standard happening. operating procedure is to freeze. Yes.
1: You're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing. <laughs> go home.
2: <laughs> and now you'll, yeah, see, you'll no. see a shot. This shot right here gets use, reused. Yeah, times. Times. And and, times. In fact, in the very next movie. In, in fact, the very next movie. Which, is
1: a f- fact, is a little painful to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's a very distinct-looking thing. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good That's explosion. It's very obvious when they use it again. <laughs> it's a very
2: good explosion, but they shouldn't have used it in back-to-back effing movies. But...
3: Now this is what Kirk does. This there's Gosh, this like there's over there. This, this mini tramp move that Kirk's about to do to save the ambassador here. This like doing, where he yeah. just goes flying in the air. It cracks me up. And it's, and it's a blatant uh, stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> just and, like, and the guy
0: misses anyway. Yeah, here he comes. Here he yeah, comes. he totally missed. It's it's that classic. Doing,
3: <laughs> <laughs> like it, Kirk hasn't pulled him out of the way yet. So yeah. he just shot right underneath his armpit. That's yeah. all that happened. Yeah, during the eighteen minutes while Kirk was in the air heading toward him, he could have <laughs> taken the shot. Oh, McCoy, you're such a bad I actually see a, a lot
0: of different aliens. Yeah, there's a lot of them going are, on. Yeah. Again, a lot of In them the I've never band. seen before or yeah. since.
3: You know. Like that guy right there. Right? What the hell's that thing? He needs to go get now a pink.
2: why didn't Scotty just open sticks. the door? Why did he yeah, have to kick
1: it
3: down? <laughs> Damn. Yeah.
0: And now, as we previously established, Klingons had pink Pepto Bismol blood.
1: So we're going to say pink pepper, Except pep- now oh. don't, so... Oh. That looks a lot like Kara syrup. This is not click yeah. on blood. This looks more like caro syrup. All right, Brock Peters, you
0: Negro. Brock Peters, who would go on to play...
1: Ah, I get it. He's not really a... Yeah. It's, Odo. it's Odo. It's Odo. What race it's is It's Colonel it? oh, Odo.
0: Right. Uh, Brock Peters, who plays Cartwright in this, would go on to play uh, Benjamin Sisko's dad in D Space Nine. Mm-hmm.
2: And apparently the president is now blind. <laughs> yeah.
3: Help me. I can't see. You hit me. And you hit me so hard when you threw me to the floor for no reason. And where is
0: the rest of what I'm assuming would be some kind of security detail? Yeah, there's not. I mean, there's, they're at this major
2: conference with yeah. their two major yeah. galactic the, enemies. The president of the United Federation of Planets just got tackled, and nobody's <laughs> there to help. Nobody's, nobody's checking IDs. Yeah. Nobody's like,
3: nope. it's like so wait. Got smart. Yeah. Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy? We just need to verify real quick. And now there's this real touching moment. My son. There's going to be a touching moment. This thing
0: had to kill my son. There is nothing more self-righteous than a slow clap in Star Trek. Yeah. yeah.
2: Slow clap. And then holding his head down. And, the I, and,
3: I, and I'm proud to say that, that Archer, uh, which is uh, Scott Bakula's character, in the very end of the Enterprise episode, in which I was a Tellerite, he gives a stirring speech about why we should form Starfleet, and I, I start the slow clap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I stand up. I, start, I, don't, I don't start the slow clap, but I, I start the, the standing up. So you were in the very last episode? Uh, it's, it's actually the second to last. Oh, okay. The last episode is the one with Riker yeah, the and the holodeck. One. But the second-to-last one, the second, it's a double, double it's two-parter.
2: Guess what, guys? We're going to give you a great send-off. We're going to bring Jonathan Frakes
1: yeah. in. We're going to bring <laughs> back the cast from the last
3: series that people liked a lot better. Is the shuttle bay they, open? They, they the just did
1: a bunch of focus groups, and they were like, it needed more beard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and gut. Yes. And, and boob. <laughs> boob? <laughs> yeah. It needed more cirrus. <laughs> it needed more man. <laughs> and chin whiskers. That guy has no neck. Who? uh, Canic? Get get some Windex on. Now there's an episode
0: of Voyager because apparently Tuvok, a character from Voyager, serves on the Excelsior, and they do this whole flashback episode that's part of like one of the anniversaries of Star Trek. It's the same when they did uh, the Deep Space Nine Tribbles episode. But in that episode, one of the background characters is a major. Like they bring the whole Excelsior cast back together, including George Takei, and they it's great because they all look exactly the same as they Mm -hmm. did when they shot this movie. But it, it's kind of like an alternate personal profiling pers- <laughs> as an alternate perspective on the events of this movie and in the through the course of the Voyager episode, one of the Excelsior guys in that bridge in that bridge shot dies and then he shows up <laughs> at
1: the end of, the end of, of, the end of, day of Star Trek yeah. Six. So R- this reports is, of my death were greatly exaggerated. So, so keep in mind
2: the, that uh, Savic, or I'm sorry, Valaris is now gone, and Sulu's no longer piloting the ship, and so it falls. The duty falls onto Chekov to uh, to pilot the ship yeah. for the last time. Is he gonna
1: do something funny and stupid? <laughs> kinda, kinda. Because you
2: know it's it's, a cinematic, <laughs> it's like, uh, but the cinematic the cliche it, of it, going it, into the sun. It, yeah, I know. <laughs> they go off into the sunset, <laughs> but it
3: brings it brings it back. Like in 30 years, he's still got the same damn job. He's still helmsman. <laughs> yeah, Chekov, you, you
0: might want to. So. That away. Uh oh. Oh boy. Look dun, at this guy. Dun, 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 dun. Little uh,
1: ba, 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 ba. Peter Pan reference here. Second star to the right, and on till morning.
3: Straight on till morning. Oh my God. Yeah. He did a thing. He did a thing. I always... That's horrible. Scotty's like that is so. Oh, check off. Check off. Should really say okay. So that's great, but I actually need. Yeah, that's here. not really a course. Um, Second star to the right of what? Yeah, lots, yeah. Of, <laughs> lots of stars there. I mean, it's colorful
1: and all, but seriously. What the fuck? Why are the dates... Why, why are there decimal points in the dates? Because they are star dates. Because when they created the,
0: the... When Roddenberry created the original show, it was a way to say, this show is in the future, without saying exactly
1: it's, how yeah, far in the it's, future it's it was. 2745 or whatever. Yeah. That's working for me. So there it is. Yeah. Uh, check off your... Right, is this, the one where,
3: this is the one where they it's all it's sign right. the end yeah.
2: credits. You might yeah. want, you might want okay. to turn check off. It's check check out that. Straight into the. That's, store that's, the s- that's, s- that's the sun check. Dude, off. that's the wait. That's, that's <laughs> the sun check. Yeah, <laughs> sun, <that's, it's> <laughs>
3: I can't see. It's very bright outside. You oh, I can't see you what's going off. on. <laughs> oh Good lord. <laughs> Jesus. Now we're all melted. The hell. And then it went supernova. Yep. Then it went supernova. And they all sign it. So it's like a collectible. This
1: movie. It's
0: true. Yeah. That's what. Because this, this was the sendoff. No, this, this was this is it. This, last, is it. this is their farewell. This last generation. Okay,
1: I accept it on those terms. <laughs> yeah. On those terms. On well, those the,
3: terms only. I remember sitting in the theater going, "Oh, this is uh, way past self-indulgent here." I'm
1: sorry. I, I liked it. I think it's a nice touch. Well, I kind like s- of like. I, I like not. seeing signatures, so it's cool on that level. But you know, oh wow, that's a ooh wow. But Taffares Kelly is a very Disney-esque. Yeah, yeah. that it does is, look yeah. like the Disney logo. Which, funny story, the D in the Disney logo is sort of this weird backwards music cue looking thing that I never understood it was a D until like two years ago. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I grew up with that Disney stuff all over my house, and I always didn't know what that was. Yeah. I always thought it was like a
3: backwards G or yeah,
0: something. Yeah, exactly. Goes, it looks yeah. like a backwards...
1: I have the same problem with the post office logo. So Star mm-hmm. Trek, what'd you think?
3: A buddy of mine worked at uh, Disney for years and years and years, and any, any animator at... And uh, artists at Disney worth their salt can forge the Disney signature because you have to put it on everything, just like eh, put the Disney thing on it. So, oh, so, really? That's yeah, interesting. Everyone, everyone at least practices their Disney forgeries. So. That's great. Okay, well, anyway, go I guess the
2: real question, Fig, is what did you think?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was only paying half attention, and it was only you know half of the experience of you know in, enjoying a movie is seeing it. I don't know. I actually don't feel like I've seen it. Yeah, well, so that's I mean, it, true. it was interesting to watch, and it was interesting to learn about Star Trek by asking you questions. Did you did you like the look of it at least? Yeah, I like I like the look of it. I liked a lot of the effect shots. Yeah, you were the one it's who said that
3: uh, it was better
1: shot than you expected. Yeah, it's more cinematic than that. Well, you know, it's, whenever I would flip through channels and see Star Trek and move on to something that normal people would watch, it was always this <laughs> really you know evenly lit, very kind of bland, milky yeah. looking show.
3: Kenny Myers.
1: Uh, you know, uh, it 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 was exactly what I expected it to see, if not a little bit more cinematic. But I didn't garner anything from it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> didn't change Fair enough. It. It didn't change could. I'm <laughs>
2: glad I could be here for
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, dude, you got me to not like no, The Phantom Menace. It's, it's, it's hard
2: for this sort of experience to be your first time watching a Star yeah. Trek movie. So, so it's going right to right be cool the
1: because the first Star Trek I'm going to see as really. a geek yeah. is going to be... Jerry well, but I, think, you know, I think it's going to be
3: exactly what, what it probably needs to be, is, is, you know, that just like, and we've talked about this when we did that movie, that just as The Phantom Menace had this weight of 30 years of fandom going, don't fuck it up, George, um, you know, these movies had sort of, they just had so much baggage that they were towing behind them, and, you know, it's... Star Trek is due for a
2: reboot, which apparently from and the bar reports is, is exactly
3: whats what is, yeah. we're going to get. In so. terms of the
2: general public, the bar is set very low for Star, for Star Trek, whereas for Star <laughs> Wars, it was unbelievably high. Yeah, and yeah. there's no, I mean, the episode, the uh, prequels are terrible, terrible movies to begin with. But, I mean, even if they were great movies, it probably would have fallen short in a lot of people's eyes regardless because of how high that bar was. Yeah. All but, right. But so, there,
3: there are, are a great many people out there. I mean, this this is how it's done. There are a great many people out there like you who have no knowledge of Star Trek other than this thing that's supposed to be kind of stupid.
1: So who are going to love this and then find the remainder of like the the, the the overwhelming majority of the existing Star Trek work to be boring and kind of annoying. Right. That's, that's why so, you need an expert to shepherd the new people through it impatiently, like you have. Yes. So is the <laughs> gestalt of gestalt of Star Trek. Which is a freelance, uh, a free enterprise thing, I guess. Is the gestalt of Star Trek smart people having smart conversations, and the gestalt of Star Wars dumb people having fights? <laughs> I mean, it's got wars right in the title, so whatever. And Trek sounds like a road trip, so I understand. But is the whole difference that this is? Star Wars for smart people who don't need to see an action scene every five minutes. I would say that, in my personal opinion, is that
2: Star Trek has always tried to base itself in some sort of possible reality, where Star Wars has always been fantastical and, and Star Wars definitely and fantasy. F- more of a fantasy, exactly. Well, yeah,
1: but, but I mean, but even in terms where, of the execution, I feel like if if you took someone who did not know anything about either of them and, and put them in front of, aside from the prequels, we'll ignore the prequels like we always do. If you put someone in front of like a, a scene in. A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi and said, watch this until you're bored and and did the same with anything from Star Trek ever. I'll put any Star Trek up to this. They would stick with Star Wars longer because it's a more exciting show.
2: Well, I I also think... I think your point is is valid in that I think the, uh, somebody who's much more cerebral will probably find Star Trek more appealing, whereas somebody who likes popcorn and entertainment would definitely find Star Wars more entertaining.
3: Yeah, Star Trek was always a little bit more about ideas than yeah. Star Wars yeah. was. You know, Star Trek and, and, and Roddenberry's underlying mission in, in doing it was was very much about trying to present a very positive message about how – you know if we keep our shit together and of course remember star war star trek the original was during the height of the cold war when we thought you know we might just blow each other to the kingdom come tomorrow and you know, there'd be nothing left so it was it was a, it was trying to present this hopeful outlook that you know and that's why the the first you know the, the most recognizable nationality after scotty the uh you know the scottish guy is a, was a russian guy you know they wanted to say no this is the future america and russia have gotten mm-hmm. their shit together finally and we're now we're colonizing space you know and we're we're you know, humans are going to be okay as long as we don't do dumb things. So, it's so Star, Star Trek is much more about humanity and you know actual humans yeah. who live on this planet right now. It's about us and our future, whereas Star Wars is just more of a fantasy story. And not that that's a good or bad thing, but that's that's sort of the 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 underpinnings of the two. Star Trek is based in
1: our world, and it's the future of our world. You know, either as a once card, we figured that, that, out everything that far in, it's sort of like Firefly at least in, into that level of detail. Yeah, just Joss Whedon always called Firefly, the real world. Five hundred years from now, and nothing has changed. Star Trek is more analogous to Firefly than it is to Star Wars. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, but this, this is the only major sci-fi franchise I've not involved myself in, and I'm not any closer. But I like the idea. So I guess we'll, the thing the we'll thing about Star it. Trek is.
0: There are literally hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours of Star Trek out there between 11 Law and Order. Yeah, but many more creative minds have been in the pot of Star Trek than in Law and Order and much more free-ranging. So it's... Star amazing. Trek is very inconsistent there 's very good stuff and there 's very bad stuff and there 's a lot of material to pick
3: a, lot of, a lot of early episodes and even later episodes were, were based on some classic science fiction stories, like you know even the much Blind Arena is based on a classic science fiction story. Um, where they just took the story and adapted it and made a Star Trek episode out of it instead um, you know that deal with, with you know deal with these like bigger themes I mean Star Wars doesn't deal with, Star Wars deals with like bad guy good guy you yeah, know, it's, it's a space it's western Black Star, Star Trek and sometimes in a very ham-fisted way but sometimes in a very interesting way you know this is somewhere in the middle of this particular movie um, you know they dealt with things like racism and you know and sexuality and gender roles and and slavery and you know and some hard topics and they did it in that way that <clears throat> you know science fiction get away with where you'd never get you know an hour-long episode on the air in 1967 about racial politics but if you put it on the planet where you know everyone is a lizard you can tell that story well that's that's a lot of what original star trek was about was was being able to to you know if you were paying attention you go hey i think they're actually talking about us (laughs) yeah i think they're up to something here with this um you know so, it's much, so yeah. it's much more about social social commentary in Star Trek than, than Star Wars is certainly not about social yeah, commentary Star Wars is just it's, lasers yeah it's fun you know yeah. we 're not knocking Star Trek Star Wars I mean Star Wars is escapist fun, and Star Trek is a little more cerebral and at its best it 's come up with some really good stuff you know every 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 Incarnation of the show has had, you know, those episodes where it kind of yeah. all comes together Star and you go, Wars, that was really good. Is,
2: is very broad stroking in its yeah. storytelling, whereas Star Trek, I think, is much more fine tuned and specific in a lot of ways. You know, Star, Star Trek is not the hero's journey, yeah. Star Trek is a
3: much more, you know, very ensemble kind of story of, of, you know, all these different characters.
1: All right. Well, that was a thing. There you go. I, that you know, it was. A, I, I. Well, that happened. The, the colors were vibrant and pretty. <laughs> Very pretty. Except for the, the colors that text. were comprised of. Uh, or the, the, uh, never mind. Alaska. The, the ones that comprise. Purple. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was a little.
3: And the floating pepto bismol Klingon blood. I still don't think that was Alaska because Alaska's not purple. It is now.
0: Anyway, <laughs> what a rousing note to end the podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there
1: you have it. Alaska's not purple. Alaska's not purple.
0: <laughs> Violet here first. Nudity. <laughs>
3: All
1: right. Ma-wage. So So, uh, okay, yeah. Mowage. All right, that was an... I, I, I still want to see J.G. Abrams' thing and then wait for, like, I think, three I think years. I think it's going to kick ass. I think it's going to tell Well, to we'll kick see in, in less than three hours. Right. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Uh, until then, I am uh, uh, Teague Christie. And I'm Brian Finnefter. I'm Ryan Sheely. And Trace Stokes. And, uh, and, by the
3: way, thank you, uh, Mr. Guest Star, for appearing with oh, us. Oh, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you're our first guest star, of course. I don't know if we pointed that out, but the uh, first time we've... Tried to shake the mix up you, a little bit. You, you, <laughs> you held
1: your own beautifully. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you very much. You hold yours beautifully. Thanks so much, for, Thanks so much oh, for coming bye. to our coast. And until to, next to time, time, you take. can find episodes like this and more at downinfront.net. Uh, and until next time, I'm Steve Christie. Thank you very much. Good night, good night. Good night. Bye. That's fun. That's a lot of food. Uh, lot of food. <laughs>
2: Don't
3: you wish you looked here so you could
2: have I do. here you know?
3: Yeah, there you go. Now we're gonna call him George Michael. Michael, so we've we've, we're changing the lineup. You know, Michael Michael becomes the Pete Best of Down in Front.
1: (laughs) (laughs) FriendsinYourHead.com.